It's Tuesday, Albuquerque. You know what that means. What it mean, yo? It means Dak Prescott is still blaming the officials for his loss in the Super Wild Card weekend. Oh, my goodness. I didn't yeah. see that. So that's what that means. Thanks for dropping that gym on me. I still, can't wait to rail him. Still doing that. Blaming everyone but himself and blaming everyone except for his offensive coordinator, blaming everyone except for his head coach, blaming everyone else. Classic Dak mess around. Not Cedric Wilson's drops. Not C.D. Lamb's drops. None of them drops. I don't remember an Amari Cooper drop. There probably was one, though. I have a. I have to step away for one second, Vanna. We'll be right back. Okay. I'll tell you what, me and Mikey... Or just me. We'll talk about them football games. I'll tell you what, Mikey V. That was a shellacking by those poor Arizona Cardinals. That was brutal performance by the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up here for a second. I might be coming out to some people here. But <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch a ton of football on Sunday. Because me and the lady friend, and this is very old school-esque, had a nice day, went to uh, the Home Depot, I went to Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh, there you go. Spent time with her was the most important thing. Yeah, me and the lady friend, went. uh, we went thrifting, Mikey. You ever go to thrift stores, hop around thrift stores? Yes, I've been to them many times with a girlfriend, yes. So I, um, I timed our day to watch the second half of each game. So that's, that's, that's a sign of a good relationship, right? We compromise. I went thrifting, and I came out here. I came out of this deal on top. That's usually how it works. Because I like thrifting. I like football. I like beer. So <laughs> I won all three of those categories. And um, my lady friend, she likes thrifting. She's indifferent to football, and she likes beer. So she only got two out of three. <laughs> but I think it's a really good compromise. So I watched the second half of the Niners game. But I watched the whole Rams-Cardinals game. Because I was because uh, you know what I do on night games? I put the TV on mute. I put on some music. I sit around. I, walk, I, watch, uh, I do errands in the house, clean house, whatever I need to do, whatever's on the list. And then if the game's close... I turn that volume up and hear them yell at each other. I really like that. That's my preferred method for watching football. You can't convince me otherwise. Well, if it works for you, that's all that matters. I love it. It's not for everybody, but it's that's for right. me. I, I can see that working. It's not my cup of tea, but you know what? If it makes you happy, exactly. that's all that matters. And you know why? I'm a better commentator. I'm a better play-by-play guy than they got on any of those stations. I thought the Mannings were pretty funny last night. I just love that. Did you hear the part where uh, Manning, Peyton, Peyton Manning? Yeah. <laughs> he, Peyton dropped an S-bomb. Ble- he did a bleep. Yeah. I he, can't hear. I There's no bleeping sound. I can't hear bleep. <laughs> oh, never mind. And then, and then his brother, Eli, was just talking to Larry Fitzgerald, and he goes, uh, Peyton's got something going on over there. Anyhow, and he, he just rolled off of it. It was so funny. Those two are great, man. So I, I like new ideas like that. I like new, fresh ideas when it comes to covering sports or showing sports. The Manning idea was brilliant. If it wasn't Peyton, yeah. if it wasn't Peyton and Eli themselves, whoever had that idea and enacted that idea is a genius and deserves a raise and a promotion. Because, I mean, that's so much more entertaining. 
Like I love an exciting gameplay. I love an exciting call. You know, I, I love the sound of baseball. Like you, I'll never put baseball on mute. You know, unless I have some a lot of errands, and then I probably will. Yeah, I, I'm almost going in terms of I like the game. You've got your announcers. That's just how I am. But I, I am flexible and and very easy going about the fact you try something new and it works. And this works with what the Mannings have done. I really like it. It was funny. I agree. And after that long runaround of whatever we were just talking about. <laughs> Nonsense we're talking. Yes. But that's, that's anyway, life, right? After that long runaround, I watched the whole Rams-Cardinals game. And I can't believe that's the one that I watched all 60 minutes of. The Rams yeah. dominated. It's not, and there's nothing up for debate. It's not like the Cowboys game. Oh my God, did the Niners win or did the Cowboys lose? I don't know. Let's break it down. No, the Rams dominated every part of the game, and it wasn't even fair. Wasn't even fair. Seems like the live stream has no audio. I promise I will try to fix that ASAP. If you're joining us on the interwebs, hello. I guess you could just see my face and my mouth moving and can't hear us. But everyone else on 95.9 FM and 610 AM, the sports animal, welcome to Two Men On. Behind the glass is super producer Mike Vital. But you already heard him already, so it's all good. And we had stepped out of the studio business call Fred Slow, who will be back to join us for the rest of the program. We're really excited for some new partners and sponsors, Mikey. We got some really cool stuff going on, and we can't wait to share it with you. As we have some new friends that are going to help us get to the beautiful city of Los Angeles as we go cover Super Bowl LVI. Did I get it right? Is it LVI? Cricket's back here. Cool. Well, I'm on the phone with Josh. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> I think it's LVI. I get it I get it mixed up every year. Why do we even use Roman numerals anymore? The Roman Empire doesn't exist. We could mo- we should move on from that. Let's use instead of Roman numerals, let's use Arabic numerals which we use in every other walk of society. I would appreciate that a ton. Because every year, I mean, which one is it? Which combinations of letters is it? Did anybody, 505-246-0610, did you study Latin in school? Do you actually use Roman numerals? 505-246-0610. Hit us on the text line. Have you ever once in your life used Roman numerals on purpose? I know I haven't, and the only reason, or the only thing in my whole life that I will use Roman numerals for is to refer to the Super Bowl. And since we're still a month out, I don't even know which one it is. LVI, I think. Hopefully it's Packers versus anybody. Packers versus Chiefs would be sweet. I would like to see that, that one yeah, in person. Yeah, the, the old one. Sorry about that. Josh Sushan was talking to me. I'm sorry on the hotline. Sorry about that. I had lunch with Josh today. Did you really? Yeah. Well, um, some developing news with the isotopes, and so you guys will know more about it So at the bottom of the hour, I suppose. Excellent. Well, we are supposed to have the new manager of the isotopes on today to talk about his new staff, potential new staff. 
So we're really excited about that. But that's up in the air, as our show very often is. Who knows what we're up to? Who knows what we're going to do next? Not us. <laughs> By the way, that game last night, get this, the Cardinals. And I know there was a lot of first-time players that got their first playoff experience, including, um, you know, their uh, – um, oh, what's their quarterback? I, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. And they had 40 total yards of offense in the first half. Now, how hard do you have to try – to get for a pro football team 40 total yards. Now, don't forget, the Rams, you're right, were very dominating. They were beating them up front, along the front line, but still only 40 yards. And then Murray had a bad, I think they only had 200 total yards in the whole game. That's incredible. He had, Yeah, he had less than uh, 200 yards passing and then just barely over 200 with his rushing stats. And they just did not look good. He threw that interception, kind of flipped it, and they – he was just under duress. He was under pressure all night, and he just looked discombobulated. That's what I wanted to tell you because, again, the second straight year, I knew that they would get off to a hot start and then fade for some reason. And I think with uh, without ever since DeAndre Hopkins got injured, they're a different team. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, they were a little hobbled, and I think maybe some defensive coordinators figured out the Cardinals because, I mean, they were 7-0. and Right? They, yeah. They started off so hot. They looked like one of the best teams in the league. Kyler Murray looked like a world beater. And that team did not show up. And that team has not showed up for the last few weeks. And, you know, I picked the Rams. You picked the Rams. And I didn't think – I honestly did not think it was going to be that bad. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the Rams-Cardinals matchup at greater length next segment. But I think the tell – I mean, a very telling stat – is in the Cardinals' first four possessions, they had four three-and-outs, and they had a total of negative four yards. And I'll piggyback one for you, Van. They had they were 0 for 9 on third down. That's 0 for 9, a pro football team. Now, again, give the Rams a lot of credit, but 0 for 9 on third down the whole game? I mean, that, that team shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Unreal. More or less... Like playing the Los Angeles Rams. Now the Rams got star power, but that star power is what won them in the NFC West division. Remember they had that midseason slump? They lost three or four in a row, and they got people playing again. And Stafford, what you do with that guy? You don't let him carry the offense because we can tell he can't because he throws a lot of interceptions or he was a turnover machine in their midseason slump. But they got people around them starting to play at their level. They got Vaughn Miller, then they got OBJ, and look look what they've done now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, the Cardinals got some star power too. They got JJ Watt, they got DeAndre Hopkins, they got AJ Green. You know, uh James Connors was a a really good role player. He was on the cusp of stardom before some injuries and then he got released. But it was just absolute domination by a way better roster. I thought the only chance that Arizona would have if Cliff Kingsbury cooked up the perfect scheme for his team and outthought the Rams. But the Cardinals were just outmatched by every facet of the game. And we'll get more into that after the break. You're listening to Dave and Busters Presents Two Men On. We are live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. 
We're powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9. We start our days at the Y, and we end our days at O'Neill's, and we spend our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. You're listening to 95.9 FM and AM 610, the sports animal. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of all ages, Two Men On proudly brings to you a podcast that can be reviewed. Hey, friends of the show, we need 100 reviews. And we're talking Ron Burgundy rules here. Whatever you review, we will read. Our 100 review special as soon as we hit the benchmark. Log into iTunes and give us the five-star ratings on Spotify and wherever you download your podcast. Second down from the seven. Six yards for a first. Stafford throws right side. Cut with a fingertip grab. Plucking it off the turf at the one and tumbling in for a Rams touchdown. Second touchdown pass of the night for Matthew Stafford and 27-0. The Rams in complete control at home. Oof. Yeesh. Ouch. Sorry, Cardinal fan. This is one of those years where you got to count your blessings. Started off 7-0, and the last undefeated team in the NFL. You got to be proud the way Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals put it together this season. I was a believer. I picked the Arizona Cardinals to go into the playoffs and lose their first game. So I'll go ahead and pat myself on the back real quick. Go right ahead. And that's exactly what happened. I think this is uh, setting the foundation a little more. Remember we saw what the Cleveland Browns did a couple years ago. You You go to the playoffs. Last year Cleveland had a good year. They won a playoff game. So they keep rolling they keep moving ahead i think they in this instance with the arizona cardinals are still building that foundation most of those players did not have never before been in a playoff experience type like last night i think the best thing to say about that is that they're still building kyler murray's first playoff game and they'll gradually get better i mean they're double digit winners again yeah exactly and cardinals fan you can't be that bummed la was at home la was the favorite L.A. has a better roster top to bottom. More experience. Star power. Yeah, got a Hall of Fame quarterback who's finally get a chance to be in the playoffs on a good team. We'll touch on this later. But Cardinal fan, it's okay. It's okay just to get double-digit wins, make it into the playoffs, and start building something. Kyler Murray is not as bad as he looked last night. Kyler Murray is going to be a top five, six, seven quarterback in the league. And who knows, once Brady and Rodgers are gone, he might be top two or three guy. He might be the guy. Who knows? But he's got every kind of skill set that you want in a new kind of modern NFL offense. So there is still hope for you. The future is bright. Arizona Cardinal fan. Don't get down on your squad. Sucks to take a L in the playoffs. Everyone knows that. But cheer up, Arizona Cardinal fans. You guys got a bright future. And they got to the playoffs. I mean, remember the year before sure. they didn't get to the playoffs. Now the next step, 
They got to the playoffs, didn't win. But maybe next year you get another double-digit win season, and then you win the, that first wild-card round game or a divisional round game, and then you move from there. So Sure, there's, sure. There's hope out there for and them. Look, Kyler Murray, this is his low point. This is the bottom. There is nowhere to go up. There's no way. There's nowhere to go but up, I should say, for Kyler Murray. He is never, ever going to play a game this bad. So you saw the absolute worst from Kyler Murray and be excited for a long future of games that looked a lot better than that. I don't know if it's because it's his first playoff game. I don't know if he was nervous. I don't know if he was sick. He might have the Corvids. I don't know. But he was outmatched and outplayed by a really good-looking Rams defense. I mean, 40 yards at halftime? That is insane. 40 yards at halftime. Those are the negatives. How about the positives? The Rams looked like a real NFL team. They looked like a real competitor. They looked like yeah. the type of team that can upset the Buccaneers this week. Well, remember in September they were they hosted them at home in L.A. and beat them. So. That's correct, in a very good game. And things change throughout the season, right? Ebbs and flows, roller coaster ride, all the above when you're an NFL team through 18 weeks. But um, they're, they're right now, they're playing very well. And, and, the, and the one thing I noticed, when they start running the ball, McVay lets Stafford you know, have the run game kind of take control of the offense. He's able to get more done downfield, and I thought we saw that last night. He had a couple of touchdowns, Stafford, but he looked good. Akers ran the ball well. OBJ even threw a pass. Can you believe that? Von Miller had his first sack since the Broncos were last in the in the Super Bowl and six years ago. So they look pretty good. They're, they have a lot of experience, and I expect a good game there in Tampa Bay. I expect the Rams to beat Tampa Bay. I agree. There was one point in the game where Odell Beckham Jr. had 40 yards passing yeah. and Kyler Murray only had 32 <laughs> had yards four, passing. yeah, or something. One play by Odell Beckham Jr. and he outgained Kyler Murray. Welcome back to the program, Fred QB Draw Slow. <laughs> had to step out and handle some business, but he's yeah, back. Yeah, uh, well, I had a little personal thing going on that I had to resolve. Sure. And it was time-sensitive. So it seems to be resolved. So all is well in the world of, of old Freddy Slow. And, and we don't have a traditional job. And people with traditional jobs sometimes need us in the four to five hour, depending on time zones, sometimes a yeah. five to six o'clock hour. Well, and, so I understand completely. Yeah, and it was in, it was in relation to our upcoming Super Bowl trip. Oh. Yeah, so it was, uh, we had an accommodation lined up for our Super Bowl trip, and the – well, the correspondence I was given was, yeah, we'll definitely get a hold of you before the show, the moment the show starts. Sure. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's how that kind of thing always happens. Well, I wasn't hurt at all whatsoever. I didn't feel isolated or dejected or left alone just out here in the cold. So it's more Dak Prescott stuff? Because I, uh, I got to hang out with my buddy Mikey and talk yeah, football. He does so a real good it's job. It's pretty cool. We, well, cause, and here's the thing, too, like, He's the best in the business at this whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not even like you really have to do anything. You just let him do that thing. So let me well, tell you what we you were, missed. We were talking football. Were you yeah. previewing Warren Schaefer joining us in about seven minutes? We're talking football. Manager for the Albuquerque Isotopes, talking about their new coaching staff. Is that what you're talking about? We're about to. 
I love that. On the way out. That's about it. When we're done talking football. Well, I mean, there's more football all day long, but I mean, I still. We could do more football. The the thing that I'm most excited about with uh, Warren joining us is talking, like, obviously Pacheco, obviously. Sure. That's number one. That's number one to me. But then, yeah, just being able to spotlight some guys who are going to be part of the community and helping, helping like the players that are here. And, and you know how I am. Like, we work in the business. So if it's somebody new from out of town, I'm going to be like, oh, you need to learn Albuquerque? Come with me. Because I'm the guy that will introduce the guy. And we'll be introducing Warren Schaefer at 4.30 to talk about that. So it's going to be pretty good. Manager Warren Schaefer. Manager. He's not a coach, Vital. You watch your mouth. He's a manager. Coaches. The first thing I wanted to say, coach. Nope. No, they coach for managers. Yeah. You can be a first base coach. He, He manages the coaches. Yeah. Be a pitching coach. Yeah, you could be a pitching coach. Third base coach. You could be a hitting coach. Bullpen coach. Sure. Managers yeah. are just the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like the Highlander. There could only be one. Well, there's there's a lot of them. They have the lineup card in their back pocket. I mean, I believe that's correct, yeah. So do we, people still do that? We lambasted the Cardinals a little bit, As and then should. we complimented the Cardinals a little bit. On what part? They're having a good season and trying really hard. No. <laughs> they're laying the foundation of the future. Are they? Their guys are old and they're all hurt. <laughs> okay, well, you picked them to win yesterday. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, but I just always pick against the Rams. Oh, smart. There's a theme there. I'm not a Rams guy. Look, the Rams, almost this exact same team, went to the Super Bowl three years ago with Jared Goff. They're going to do so good with Stafford. That is... That is not true. Like when we talk divisionals, I'm gonna tell you why that's not true. Okay. I'm I don't. Really, I'm really excited. They won't get past Tampa Bay. It's over. I don't know. I think me and Mikey just might be picking a L.A. upset. No, there's no way because Tampa Bay is gonna beat Green Bay in the championship round to get to the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay is uh, banged up. They they don't even know who's gonna start at running back. They were saying today. You know what? I've heard that exact same narrative seven other times about Tom Brady in the postseason. You know what happened in those times? Also, I heard it three more times that, you know what happened in those times? Well, he lost the big game, but he got there. But now we're at a crossroads of the team. He's, they're still good. Bum, 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 bum. Missing key players, though. You think Tom Brady misses his Uncle Charles, y'all? Thank you. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good Bone Thugs reference. Let's go to break early so we can get manager Warren Schaefer of your Albuquerque Isotopes in. Uh, did the announcement come out yet on the coaching staff? I don't have it in front of me. I got a guy. If it hasn't, then we're going to break some news. And if it has, then we're going to recap, recap, recap some recently broke news. Very excited about that. Grab a break. Sure. Two men on 95.9 FM AM 610. The Sports Animal. Hey, friends of the show, we want to thank you for downloading the podcast. Two years in, we wouldn't be here without you. To keep going strong, we're going to need your five-star ratings and your reviews. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to us, give us a review or two. Here's what we're doing, loyal listener. We need your reviews. It helps the show grow, and it helps us get better by getting your constructive criticism and or complete hatred. After 100 reviews, we'll do a special show where we read your reviews back to you. Welcome back to the program. Joining us now on the Friend of the Show Highline, 
manager of your Albuquerque Isotopes, Warren Schaefer. Warren, how are you? What's up, guys? I'm glad I'm considered a friend of the show. Absolutely, absolutely, a friend of the show, Warren Schaefer. Who, uh, well, you got like you got like one full year in town now. After not having the first full year, you thought you were going to have for a year, and now you do have a year. So you're basically Albuquerque, and now, right? You're all the way. You ain't kidding, man. Yeah, it feels like I've been there forever. I can't wait to get back and get back at it. Yeah, uh, we just got the press release from uh, a friend of the show, friend in real life, Josh Shushan. Uh, I didn't know this. 72 different players appearing in games for you. You know all their names? Oh, well, 72? <laughs> wow. So you said. Yeah, I think I do. I think I would take that on. Yeah. Set the Albuquerque club record with 72 different players appearing in a game over the course of your season, which finished 58 and 72. Um, that's crazy. That is crazy. I, that, that's that's an unbelievable stat, man. I I had no idea. It it, it was such a tight knit group, though, that you didn't realize there were seventy two guys. So this new coaching staff that got announced, my man, are these are these all strangers to you? You're going to have to have a meet and greet, or these dudes you know? <laughs> I know all of them, and I know them all very well. I mean, uh, Pedro Lopez coming back as a bench coach. He was my hitting coach last year, and my you know, top advisor, and then. Uh, Frank Gonzalez, I've, I mean, we were hired the same year. He's coming up from double A. I've been with Frank for about 10 years. Jordan Pacheco, I was drafted the same year as him in 07. We're good friends. We've been in the same weddings together. I mean, it's just, uh, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a good group. Phil and, and Hoshi, the strength and uh, conditioning and the trainer, they're, they're both coming back. I mean, it's a good group. You and Jordan college mates, right? You was like top bunk, bottom bunk kind of thing. Uh, no, in pro ball, in oh, pro okay. ball, he came from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's I mean, that's also a thing. That's a similar thing to me. Now, I notice on the release. Oh, now, hold on, don't just breeze past that question. Go ahead. Are you a top bunker, bottom bunker? That's guy? a good question. <laughs> you know, when I was drafted in '07, I went to play rookie ball in Casper, and uh, I actually uh, I lived with a family, and I just lead bottom bunk with the with the with the twelve year old kid up top. That, so I'm, I think I'm a bottom bunk guy. The day you knew you were a professional baseball player was, hey, yeah, also, right. Cody is the most beautiful place in the country. There's like a top five of very beautiful places. Cody is near the top for me. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I, I didn't go through there, but I've heard it. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so Skipper Warren Schaefer, cool. Coach Lopez, Coach Pacheco, Coach Gonzalez. Now, I don't really see a fungo coach here, and I think Van would be up for it. Do you need anyone to come out and just hit fungos every day? Hey, look, I hit Eddie a mean Tom, fungo. I'm looking for another one, man. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> come on out. <laughs> that's the way. Like, if, if you have Van at a ballpark and he's not walking around with a fungo, he's like, he's like, I don't even feel, I don't feel natural. I do need something in my hand most of the time. <laughs> we'll grab a fungo about 2 o'clock. We'll be there. Manager of the Albuquerque Isotopes, Warren Schaefer, joining us. We're cutting up a little bit about the team. Uh, been a little bit of a different offseason with everything going on at the big league la- level in the MLB Players Association. Has that had any real impact here at the minor league level, at the AAA level? No, it's had no impact on me, really. Um, the only thing that it impacts is when, when I go to spring training. So I, it, it's up in the air right now when big league camp's going to start. If it does, I'm not sure. Uh, but the latest I'll go is March 1st because minor league uh, is scheduled to go, you know, right on time. So you've got a full staff now. How, do you know, how long is it going to take you to find out who your players are going to be? Who are you going to manage? You know, that's, a, that's the same every year. It, it, that, you, you have a general idea when you go into spring training, um, the, the players that you're going to have, but you don't know for sure the whole roster until 
couple of days before you break camp and head out to Albuquerque. So it, it's a it, it's the same thing. You you have a, you have an idea, a general idea when you get there, but it's not for sure. Whenever you were getting into the leadership role, when you were getting into coaching and then managing, did you feel like as a pitcher it was an advantage to you to kind of step in and, and have this idea of, of understanding the dynamic of a battery, or did you feel like it was more difficult to make that connection with like position players? Oh, I, I was a shortstop, man. You got that backwards. I, but but uh, I had I had no uh, no difficulty at all tra- uh, working with the pitchers and the catchers. Um, it's a, at the end of the day, it just comes down to respect and, and trying to trying to have the same goal and accomplished and uh, just getting after it together. Research isn't our strong suit, if you couldn't tell already. <laughs> no problem. You know what? I pitched a couple innings, man. We'll see. It counts. That you, counts for your you boy. You got it mostly right. That's the article he read right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Speaking of pitching, uh, pitching coach Frank Gonzalez, what does he bring to the team? Well, Frank brings a world of knowledge. Um he brings energy. He brings uh, every, everything good that you want from a pitching coach. In-game, uh, good strategical helper. Um, you know, he he he's just he's been around the game for a long time. Uh, I mean, he raised a son that that is, you know, uh, I don't know if he was an all-star in the big leagues this year or not, Marco Gonzalez, but um, he's done a real good job throughout his career and and with his son. So, if it's Coach Gonzalez or if it's Coach Lopez. How is Jordan Jordan Pacheco being from here? How has he helped, like reintroduce or even yourself into this community? Has he given you any gems? Has he given you any you wouldn't have knowns without his presence? Um, you know what? When I took the job last year, I mean, he he gave me some you know where to go around town and get something to eat, yeah, some, something like uh, that, you know. Uh, but but uh, other than that, you know, he, he was doing his thing last year. Uh, playing still, and and uh, we just kind of got touching base again this off season. Um, so we'll see. I'm sure he'll have a ton of stuff to to offer. I can't wait to work with him. Warren, you and uh, you and Jordan are on the right side of forty. Like you're not the classical baseball managers <laughs> right. walking around with a beer belly, and you got you got <laughs> dip on your shoulder. You guys can go out there and play if you got like, if somebody gets hurt. You can step oh, right out shoot, there, brother. Hey, no, that, that's taking a little too far. Maybe him, <laughs> him for sure, because he just got done playing, but not me. These knees don't work right anymore. I know I'm on the right side of forty, but it just it ain't happening for me. What is what is that thing that needs to happen for? And it's not me and Van. Me and Van are as big a baseball fans as you can find. But what needs to happen to to bring the, kind of that youth movement back into fandom at the ballpark? What is what is that next step for Major League Baseball and AAA Baseball and all the affiliates below to get individuals back in the stands and invested the way that at least I remember it as a youth? Yeah, boy, that's a that's a tough question. I know the commissioner's trying to do a bunch of different things to to uh, make that happen, but I don't know. It's tough to change the game because the I mean, if you're a purist, the game is so perfect. Um, that you you know you just have to almost raise kids to enjoy the strategy of the game and to to watch the game differently. Um, it's just I don't know. My it's just tough in in today's age with the phones to to pay attention so much. You know, I mean it's a it's a pay attention game really. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have the answer to that question. All right, Fred already told you that. We're both big baseball dorks. You're going to see us up at the lab all the time. 
curveball right. here. What is your favorite mid-inning activity? Good question. The favorite is mid-inning, it, like uh, promotion? Yeah, is, a game? It, is it the hot dog cannon? Is it the T-shirts? What, what is it? Oh, man, it's the, uh, it's the bongo cam. That bongo cam is the best. Have you seen that? Yeah, I sure have. Some, sometimes they shoot it in the dugout and you get some of the guys on the bench doing it. That's the best. Anybody sitting beside, behind someone with a bald head and you don't do the bongos on their head? Unacceptable. Get kicked out of the game <laughs> immediately. You're gone. Yeah, you're right. There's a bunch of those little ones, too. Like You ever, you ever been at like a game and the, like the rain delay comes in and they just know it's done for and the teams just get as loose as possible? Like those things are like the special things about baseball that you can only have when there. Speaking about special nights of baseball, Warren, how big of a deal is it to you to to always be home on like a Fourth of July? What big of a deal is it to you to be able to to host those type of events in front of just Albuquerque Isotopes fans and Albuquerqueans? Uh, it's that's a big deal. I think that's a really big deal. That's a, one of the first things you look at on a schedule. Um, you know, opening night. Fourth uh, of July tonight. This year we're not opening at home. We're opening OKC, which is also a good place, but it's not Albuquerque. Um, you know, you always look at those things. That's uh, that's a great question because it's important. So, are you looking to get some big arms this year? Are you looking to take advantage of the high altitude, get some big bats here? I mean, what <laughs> what are you like? Like, throw me a bone here. Like, what do, what do we need here in Albuquerque? I think, that's a, <laughs> here's what we need. We need uh, big arms, big boppers, guys that can run, guys that can throw, guys that can play catch, that can field, uh, catchers that can throw and play, and play D. I mean, that hey, that's my kind of team, right? Oh, that a complete team. team. That does okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, a perfect team. I got you. Of, yeah, man. Of the players and the guys that you've coached with or played alongside or managed, of, of all those definitions – what do you identify as like success for someone you've been in association with? How do you identify a player that hits whatever benchmark you set? How do you know when you've made that impact? Uh, you mean me personally? Yeah. Well, I, I I judge success. I don't I don't I don't judge any of that on numbers. Um, I judge it on on a, on a year's worth of conversations behind closed doors and um, personal progress in in the right direction. Uh, and at the end of the year, if the player is happy with where he is going and where he got this year, then that is success for me 100%. I love that. Warren, you suited up for Colorado Springs in a couple different stints. Does it feel better to go up there and beat them or have them come down here and beat them? I'll tell you what, guys. I would love to be on your show all all year, but you got to do better research. You gotta, <laughs> they're not in our league anymore. They're not in our league. <laughs> I know they're they not in our league because we, cause we whip them. Ball anymore. I know they redid. They redid like the whole field thing up there too. They're doing something weird up in Colorado Springs. Those I think are, they did, but they were yeah. they were playing. In, they were rookie ball there for a couple of years, but I'm not so sure if they have a team anymore. Hey, I think we're doing pretty good for finding out you're coming on ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. The it's a little inside baseball, which is fun to talk about with Skipper Warren Schaefer. Um, yeah, we literally we set up the meeting at lunch, and it was. I know you're in between announcements. I know you got a five o'clock, and it was it was where can we where can we squeeze Warren in? Like, what can we do? It was like, well, we can go from five thirty or four thirty to four. 
42. And that's like, that's basically it. So Warren Shaver, <laughs> we appreciate you making the time. And obviously we're going to connect a lot, not just here in the off season, but throughout the regular season. And if there's anything the show or the boys can do for you, please use this billboard to your fur disposal because we're going to be here for you. Guys, thanks a lot for having me on. I look forward to uh, developing a good relationship with you guys. I'll talk to you soon. We'll laugh about this one over a beer. Sounds good. good thanks, Skipper. We'll Warren Schaefer, manager of your Albuquerque Isotopes. My pitching thing I have here is directly from this MLB post. And I'm not going to say I was misled by the post. That's okay. Oh, so you were misled by media? I can't believe that. Huh. <laughs> not in these times. Do appreciate him taking the time, though, because it was, uh, yeah, we had lunch today with Josh Shushan, who's the voice of the Isotopes, and uh, we were talking about, you know, like, oh, and uh, Forrest, they're like their new, their new media marketing guy. Like, we're, hey, get to know the family. And, and it was like, hey, I think we can, you know, I think we can get Skipper on. I think we can figure it out. And, and, you know, Josh Shushan was like, hey, actually, his schedule's real tight. And if we can get him in, it's going to be very last minute. We won't know till last minute. We we're like, well, then let's do it. Let's, sure. Yeah. That's very on brand for oh, this show. Oh, super on brand. So obviously we'll have them on again and often, and our apologies to anyone who had concern over our confusion, but it's 100% Van's fault. Yeah, why not? Grab a break when we get back. Let's do some MLB talk because I'm kind of feeling I'm kind of feeling the game right now. Dave well, Buster's- well, one good thing, you guys, yep. before we go, if the, there's still a lockout, we got minor league baseball and ABQ. No matter what. Yeah. And you can have, to my understanding, you can have guys that don't have MLB guaranteed contracts. So it could be a lot of guys. It could be, could be me. Seventy-two players. Shoot, I, I could eat some innings out there. Did you? I got fifty good pitches in me. It's, I thought I was being generous with the fungo. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, fifty of those, fifty of those good pitches. Thirty of them are warm up. So I got twenty good pitches. Dave and Buster's presents two men on live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I Nine. Start our days at the YMCA. Spend our afternoons at O'Neill's and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's ninety-five point nine FM, AM six ten. The Sports Animal. Welcome back to the show. Big thank you to Isotopes manager Warren Schaefer who just joined us. First time on the program. First time. I like new friends. Yeah. I like meeting new friends. Their coaching staff is set. Players come out like the day after minor leagues or uh, spring training stops. Well, the fungo guy's still up in the air, but they got some applications in at least. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fluidity of it, too, because, you know, they have no say. The Albuquerque Baseball Club has no say in who they get from the Colorado Rockies. You know, they just come down, which is kind of a crazy thing. And it can change every year, you know, like due to, obviously due to, like, free agency, due to players moving. And now with all this MLB PA talk about arbitration and five years of service from the day you debut, as long as it's more than five years before the time you turn 29 and a half, or there's all these, like, weird rules that they're trying to introduce. They seem nonsensical. Some of them. I'm sure some of them have a very important purpose, a very important point. But like, what? It seems a lot like uh, have your cake. Give me my money. 
I can play this well. I deserve this much. Just let me have this much. It's just not that easy. It's just not that easy at all. Joining us on the show, friend of the show, Patrick. Patrick, how are you? Good. Howdy. Hey, we, we are you still with us, friend? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, go ahead. Cool. So, yeah, I was calling for a uh, talk about the Cowboy game on. Oh, for sure. So, I think I think what happened was Dak Prescott tore his calf early on in the season, and then Rush Cooper came in and blew the lights out. And I think that he was extremely selfish because he never took the time off that he needed because they said it was going to be two to four weeks for the calf tear to heal. So I think what happened was he was looking in the rearview mirror, seeing what happened with Tony Romo and how he did his job, and now he's injured, and he never was fully healed. And if they had that play as part of their you know, playbook or whatever on Sunday, why the hell didn't they run that play earlier? That's my thing. Well, Thanks, bro. Also interesting is his calf was healthy enough to get 15 yards on that scramble. <laughs> or that right, right. Quarterback draw. In the, in right. As far as and, being rushed but it, back. Well, what's it actually to run one or oh. two times during the game? Because if they had that play available, why didn't they use him as a decoy and just have him run? I think he was. The, you're actually We're actually losing a little bit, Patrick. Just, but we're going to keep riding this uh, up until the break, so stay with us. Uh, but sorry, we lost, we, we lost yourself. I tell you what. Rush back, maybe that's the conversation. But I'm gonna tell you the truth of it is, Jerry Jones gave him all that money, and was like, "You're not gonna, we're not gonna give you us money just to sit there. Like you're gonna, you're not gonna, you're gonna come back. Like we, do, I'm not playing Rush Cooper, Cooper Rush. Like it's just not gonna happen. It's You'd, Rush Cooper in the phone book, right? So look, at, here's a real thing. So the, thanks for the call, Patrick. Sorry, uh, call yeah, us back again some other time when you got better Sally service. Well, 5G just came out for AT&T in town. Is it here? Is it everywhere? I had it today for a minute. Yeah. I don't have it right now. The So he was only 17.2 this year against the cap. But next year, 34.45. That's a lot of money. That's so much money. And for the year after that, if he's still a Dallas Cowboy at 30, which is not that old in the world of quarterbacks. Not anymore. 45.45. He had his lowest completion percentage of any playoff game he's ever played. Almost 50%. 53%. That is not going to get it done in the modern NFL. Like Not even close. What about $50 Because that's what he'll almost be making in 2024 if they don't opt out. A $40 million quarterback doesn't do what he did the other day. No. An elite quarterback doesn't do that. Also, an elite quarterback knows if he's on a bum wheel or not. A competent medical staff. Yeah. Someone who could tell Jerry Jones the truth. Tough that, one. That, that lineup was capable of going far. And for them, why? Did they didn't win that game? I'm not sure. But I thought the Joneses did put together a good enough and a very talented group to go to the Super Bowl. And they didn't. Well, I think they're pretty bummed that they didn't get to play the Cardinals. <laughs> had to play, they had to <laughs> play point. a forty. They had to play a Forty ers team that was healthy for the first time all year. From the live chat, Jerry needs to do something about the glare coming through those windows in his palace. It's blinding his team. That's funny. I've been, I've been in there one time, one time. 
but it was nighttime, so I have no idea. No real contribution to that. Okay. He does make some fabulous photos on Sports Illustrated, though. I'll tell you what, that's SoFi Stadium is quite photogenic. Looks pretty. It looked great. Hey, by the way, uh, their upper bowl was very empty. Hit on that later. What's the Super Bowl turnout going to be like if they can't even pack a, a home playoff game? Football talk after the break. Two men on, 95.9 FM, AM 610. The Sports Animal. Not only do I think insanely little of anyone who condones violence or acts of threats upon others, I will do my best to belittle and condemn them publicly, and I'm going to do it right here. I swear to God, I thought a spin doctor joke was coming, but go ahead. I don't think I could come up with one. Now, if you... You couldn't take, like, an old joke and spin it a little bit or maybe doctor it a tiny bit? That's an okay one. Yeah. Want to buy me flowers? So, as you recall, Dak Prescott, um, after the loss to the hated 49ers, which are a better team, he said, oh, fans, I think it's great that you were throwing anything at the officials he said that he said oh yeah no good job guys stupid so today the nbra and you're like who's that that's the nba's roughing association Ah, okay they condemned the comments by dak prescott condoning violence against game officials as an nfl leader he should know better we encourage the nfl to take action to discourage this deplorable behavior in the future we officially have a crossover episode this is the NBA ripping ripping the NFL. The NBA is going to cancel Dak Prescott. It's all over. Well, Dak Prescott kind of advocated for violence against citizens. He 100% did. The NBA also tried to cover up a cheating scandal with their referees, so who did worse here? That's face facts, guys. Well, the NBA tried to cover it up. The Reffing Association, they got rid of everyone involved with that. Right, the Reffing Association. The Reffing Association is standing in good grace right now. And by the way, I think NBA refs take it worse than any refs. They take it worse than any umpires. They take it worse than any officials, I think. I think uh, professional referees are a very well-taken-care-of union, right? I mean, they're vision- Health care is quite poor, but besides that, they take okay. really good care of them. Okay. Okay. All right. Dead ass serious, though. How has Dak Prescott not walked back those comments? He will. Will he? Once, once a publicist is like, okay, this is what we think you got to say, Dak. So you kind of three-quarter apologize, but then you still hold your guns that you guys got cheated. So you got to mostly apologize and a little sprinkle of you guys cheated us. You can't really go back all the way on what you said, but but sound apologetic? That sounds good. Do you want us to write it or you want to write it? The classic, I'm sorry to anyone if I hurt your feelings, which is bogus. Also, here's how old we've got. The Tim Donahue stuff. That was all the way back in 2007. 2007? Isn't that crazy? It's like what, 2009 right now? Nope. Wait, what year is it? 
That's crazy. <laughs> 15 years ago? Oh, my God. It's 15 years ago. I'm so old. I'm just saying, Dallas has got to figure it out. And also, like, it's not fair to, like, and I don't know if we do it per se, but there's a media spin out there to Dallas Cowboys fan that is like, hey, the Cowboys are way better than what you think. And they're not. They're not way better. They're just regular. But the fans get all worked up every year. It's their year. Okay. I can separate these two things as far as referees go. No, obviously, you shouldn't threaten referees. No, obviously, you shouldn't commit acts of violence against other human beings, regardless of their job. I don't know, maybe Nazis, fascists, they're exempt. Throw stuff and punch them, whatever. But anyways, referees and citizens, you can't just assault them because they made you sad because your team lost, and I got upset, and I'm going to throw stuff. But also, they shouldn't be free from criticism. Players in the game have to sit there at the podium in a press conference and answer all the press's questions. And then if the player says something bad about the refs, they get fined. They get in trouble. They get suspended. That's a deal. They but then the refs have a free pass. Sort of. So the they, refs, they screw up all the time. They don't have to have a press conference no. and answer for their screw-ups. They do. They have one after every game. With secretly within themselves so sort of so there's a pool of reporters and then they meet with them so it's not the same one and then there's a certain number of questions that get asked but it's similar so they they do have to give a public statement now is it often prepared by like new york or whatever i'm just saying new york is the governing body but sure but also like watch me cry the driest tears for nfl player who's nfl pa signed a deal to where they wouldn't belittle the league or the officials. No, I don't care about that. You signed a deal. You're in the club. You can't do it. It's part of your rules. Well, I'm not in the club, and I say it's stupid. Well, sure, but I'm saying you're not going to like physically assault anyone. I mean, you should have a referee sitting right next to the player after the game. And Dak Prescott can turn around and look at him. He's like, really? That guy barely touched my offensive lineman. That's a holding call? Really, I barely brushed up oh, against him. I, I didn't grab any jersey. That cost us a first down. We would have scored and went ahead, blah, blah, blah. I will say I, I would love to see that drama after every game. You have seen it. You've seen it one time. You saw it with Jim Joyce and Andres Galarraga. Is it Andres? Whatever that Galarraga. Armando Galarraga. Armando Galarraga. You saw it one time. Where it was super egregious. Jim Joyce blows that call. It's the whole thing. Well, you're picking like the one craziest time ever. Well, it's the only one time, though. That's that's when I'm telling you it's appropriate. This is not a time for it. The, the official doing the officially correct thing to the right way because Dak Prescott's boneheaded and his offensive lineman is trying to set a ball himself. And you know, I'm not saying the football has to be picked up by an official. It just has to be touched. Well, I'm not talking about that one play. Oh. That's on the Cowboys players. What I'm talking about is there needs to be open criticism of referees after the game. Yeah, 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 I know it's in the deal, Mm -hmm. but it's stupid. You should not be free from criticism if you are in the limelight making decisions that directly enhance the outcome one way or the other. I'm not saying they're above retort. I'm not going to say that. But I'm saying specifically to this one, you just can't bring that kind of evaluation to the official. Because, well, number one, it's unwarranted. 
And number two, it's it's not just. So like if you're to be like, hey, it's a standard. We have this, you know, armchair sit down conversation after every one. It would just be Dak Prescott saying, you really cost us the game there, bonehead. And it'd be the official whose name I don't know, which is good. The official being like, come on, man. Like, that's your fault. Yeah, you know it. You know yeah. the rules. And if you don't know the rules, admit to all these people you don't know the rules. Yeah, and I don't blame the refs for the last play of the Cowboys-Niners no. game. That's on the players. That's on the Cowboys. That's on the coaching staff. you got to prep your players ahead of that play. Let them know what's up. Let them know what's going on. Let them know where the ball's going to end up. It's, it's a coaching problem. It's a player problem. It's not a ref problem. I'm talking about bigger picture stuff. Refs should not be free from criticism. I don't know. I think they hear it. I mean, they get there's an evaluation process behind the scenes that we don't see. There's a hierarchy behind the scenes that we don't know about. There's definitely different pay rates. There's definitely all those kind of things. If I had to have that talk about part-time officials versus full-time officials versus continuing education like you do in other fields, I'd hear that. I'd hear yeah, that all day. You need it. But I would not say that they need to become a victim to fanatic outrage greater than what already exists. I think right now it's fair and adequate, but I think it would be insanely unfair to put them in positions to make them spectacles or draws. Like, name all the officials you can ever name. Ed Hockley only. <laughs> That's the number one on my list, too. Yeah. yeah. And it's because he, he wanted to draw that attention to himself. Because he's jacked. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, And that, to me, is the thing. Because it's like, yeah, I mean, if you so wish, but get it for the right reasons. You know, and I'm, and I'm a guy who's been so fortunate for my entire life to receive so much positive attention. It's still a form of attention. And the last thing you want is to receive, you know, negative attention. Because that, that just really dissolves your performance in whatever work environment you're in. So you're saying if the refs are free from criticism, they'll do a better job. Am I saying that? Yeah. Well, no, That's I don't what think. what it sounds like to me if, like, you keep them away from the limelight. You keep them free from criticism. They won't get their feelers hurt, and they won't do a bad job anymore. No, no, no. It's not about feelers. It's about exposing the ignorance of the criticism. Because if you sit down in front of the top official, and you're like, hey, I'm really going to break this one down on why, on why you're a bad official, the official's going to say, from that viewpoint, you're absolutely right. Here's the problem. You don't understand the rule. And then you're going to end up with a bunch of backlash all the time. Because now it's going to be, oh, they're smarter than me. Oh, they know the thing they're paid to know perfectly, they know perfectly. And you're going to end up, it's going to really end up biting in the rear, like those that were to condone, or excuse me, those that were, that were to accuse of like poor officiating or poor work. Because it's not really that. You'll never have an a umpire behind the plate who can do it to 100% to the strike zone. But you'll have guys that do it in the top, top, top ninety percent, mm -hmm. and those guys are the best. Like it's it, to me, I, to me, it's fruitless. I don't think there's enough people out there, refs included, that love the con uh, constructive criticism that we get, or let's take it a step further, just flat out hate mail, or like on the text line, like we frame the most incendiary comments or right. put them on our social media. We love it. Because never once have we had constructive criticism that was valid. Like, you know what? You know what, loyal listener? You know what, friend of the show? That's a great point. I'm going to follow that idea. It's always, you suck. You boys suck. But it's, it's you boys suck. Why? Well, why? Because I'm mad that the Cowboys lost. Sure. I'm mad that the Cowboys lost. Yeah. And you're making fun of my team. Yeah. And you're not the one right now on the horn telling me that the star will ride again. 
because of A, B, C, and D. By the way, 505-246-0610, hit us up on the Sports Animal text line. Tell us why we suck. Those texts are always um, weird. Sure. Yeah. A lot of grammatical errors. Well, and it, here's an example. Like, <laughs> we're fortunate enough to be in a situation here in town. Michael, I'm sorry. I know we have to take a break. I know how stingent you are. Uh-huh. The, but we're in a position here in town where, like, say if you're like, yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily loving these guys' take on Dallas. The problem with Dallas Cowboy fan is not someone else has already said two men on sucks. So Dallas Cowboy fan doesn't know what opinion to have if someone hasn't told them what opinion to have. Ooh. So Dallas Cowboy fan who's mad at the show right now because Dallas Cowboys can't win a game, they don't know how to tell the show they're mad at us because no one told them how to do it. Because that's how Dallas Cowboy fan works. Dallas Cowboy fan only knows regurgitation of what they've heard someone else say. There's no real fandom for Dallas Cowboy fan. They just repeat the thing they heard their dad say at the barbecue last weekend. They were crybabies 30 years ago. They're still crybabies today. They don't ever change. 505-246-0610. I mean, (laughs) and it's a bummer for them because they think there's a different level of fandom there. There's not. I would say it's even like a subterranean level of fandom. It's below a fandom of, I'll give you an example, the Buffalo Bills. No one is a better fan than Buffalo Bill fan. When we get back, let's talk a little more about fandom because uh, I think I could get one, get on one a little bit. Let's do it. Dave and Buster's presents Two Men On live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio, powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9 and start our days at the YNCA, spend our evenings at O'Neill's and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Want to feel like you're part of the show? Leave a five-star rating and a review. The reviews go a long way to help us in the dumb analytic overlord algorithm that has us all under the thumb of their control. Here's what we're doing, friends of the show. We want 100 reviews. It helps the show grow, and it helps us hit a larger audience. After we receive 100 reviews, we'll read them all on air on our review special. Back on the program. We are talking about fandom, and we were talking about how to just like absolutely just freeze you it'll just polarize you to where you can't really see what's going on and you know uh rose-colored glasses right accidentally militarized yeah the one with me is like i'll use your boy aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. aaron Rodgers sucks okay see we said just not to do that, and here you are doing that. Just saying. Now you provide an example. Aaron Rodgers is a bad person. Okay, now that's a blanket statement. Now we need data and evidence. Because he's a liar, and he's sneaky, and he put others in harm's way. Here we go. Now we get to the beef. Now I'm starting to agree with you. Aaron Rodgers did the McAfee interview, and he's the worst. Well, see, he's not the worst. I like him. For his weird, quirky personality. I like him that he's like a media troll. Mm-hmm. I do not like him because he lied about easily disproven, uh, contrary internet scientific air quotes evidence. Wives' tales. Yes. Yeah. Some people call them lies. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Urban legends. He just makes, he just makes stuff up. But here's the thing. Mike Vitale's one. There's a lot of Green Bay fans out there. Same. A lot of quarterback fans, Aaron Rodgers. Sitting right here. Don't even see him like an idiot. Statistical goat. Dak Prescott on the field. 
Hey. Big fan of his. Yeah, here's some off-field absurdity. And you're like, Fred, are you blowing this thing out of proportion? It's just some fans throwing empty hot dog wrappers at officials. You know what? I do feel that way. I do feel it's just some fans throwing empty hot dog wrappers at officials. Probably should not be talked about. Should not be talked about, Dak Prescott. You don't endorse it either. No. You don't say good. This is not you getting on the mic to hype up the audience against the heel pro wrestler. The official is not the heel. Yeah. From the live chat, Kyrie Irving sucks. Yes, he does. Okay. Okay, that's that's a thing that doesn't need a ton of evidence. <laughs> that's kind of universally agreed upon. Nets fans watch him take the L against the Cavs the other night. He scores 27. And you're like, well, he did score 27. We need him. No, you don't. You don't need him. Well, well no Kevin Durant and Kyrie only gets to play every other game. The Nets are in trouble. There's two guys in the lead right now that I think are golden, golden. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. They're untouchable until they do something dumb off the field. Sure. Because it almost seems like we're at that kind of point now where it's like, you guys chill or you're about to do something dumb? Everyone. Everyone. This makes it tough. And you get so weird on it if you're a fan. Well, there's a fine line in between doing or saying something stupid and something that directly affects the health and well-being of other people. Aaron Rodgers lying about his COVID research and, and not being completely truthful about his vaccination or air quotes immunization status, that directly affects other people. Dak Prescott advocating for violence against referees, that directly affects other people. It directly affects him and his teammates because he's not going to get a single call from an official ever again. Nope. And Dallas Cowboy fan should be pissed that Dak Prescott is going oppo the official because you, Dallas Cowboy fan, don't realize how blessed you have been with officials' calls for many years now. Decades. Yeah, good, good luck getting a good call next year because the refs don't forget. I used to no, ref. They're never going to forget. And then it's such a weird fellowship. When a new one comes in, they're going to be like, hey, you on team refs or you on team the guy that wants the fans to come into the stands and beat you up? Yep. They can't see anything, but they never forget. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's just it's it's just the worst to me. It's the worst to me to where you're like, "Hey, I'm so absorbed by this idea or thought that there's such value in this player or this team or this approach or whatever," to where you just you lose sight of the forest. Just doesn't work that way. But it does for Dallas Cowboy fan. There's a couple other teams like that. Pittsburgh Steelers fan. They're up there. The teams that Green Bay Packers fan. The team that catches like enough national attention to be able to be fooled by people that aren't there and have no impact. Those are the ones that end up in trouble. Well, I think the distance in between your ascension and your fall from grace is what gets the biggest reaction. Aaron Rodgers saying he was immunized and then come to find out he didn't get the vaccination, he's breaking NFL protocols, that's a big deal. The special teams guy for the Jaguars 
who says the same thing, non-story. Not a big deal whatsoever. Yeah, that's a good point. Is it the big story is if Dak Prescott, like Kyle Murray, uh, Kyler Murray did last night against the Rams, if he takes the podium at the end is like, that's a very good team and we couldn't even really make it competitive. Yeah. Because that's humbled. That's a guy who gets it. And there's also a fine line in between Dak Prescott being upset that his season came to an end, and it's probably – it might be a little silly all in all that you got to make these players sit out there and talk to near strangers seconds after they they suck out all their energy playing this very violent sport. One hour. They have to do an interview. It's one hour. Yeah. And so him being in this physical and mental state – and saying something stupid like that, you know, I hope and pray that no one attacked an official or did anything stupid or tracks them down. But there's a big difference in between saying something like Dak said and, like, perhaps storming the ref's headquarters in New York, maybe causing an insurrection, because you know that could happen. Somebody with the... All the ears on him, like Dak Prescott, says, you know what? I'm having a rally right outside NFL headquarters or the Referees Association headquarters, and we're going to storm that thing and make sure that we replay the last play of this game because the results of this game are fraudulent because the refs were cheating us. And you know a bunch of people would believe him. Well, and that's the thing, too, if you were to get, like, the right individual, and by right individual I mean the wrong individual, to make like a poor decision and then like while doing it be like, you know, like four deck, you know, and yeah. it's like, yep. Do you want to wear that deck? Yep. And let's say it's like not serious. Let's say it's a, they're stopped before they even get there. That still is a thing. Cause then, then the attention is you feel like you're a part of that deck and Dak's obviously gonna be like, no, just being flippant, you know, but it's like, that's the thing you don't recognize about fanatic fanatic. They buy into that stuff. I'm from like a really small town, Michael. I'm kind of lying. I'm from a big city, but I'm from like a small community outside of a big city. Sure. And we have one hour's distance from where I grew up, the biggest downtown you've ever seen in St. Louis, Missouri. We have, which is like 20 minutes from where I grew up. We have within one hour's where I grew up, farmland. We have cornfields and all this kind of stuff. On my social media, people will be like, I can't believe I'm friends with famous country singer online. And then you wait a couple days and they'll say, hey, don't accept a request from so-and-so. It's a scam. Because that's how fanatics work. Because they'll get tricked by Instagram accounts that think they're their favorite racist country singer. But this is, this is how crazy fan can get. Because there's stories after story after story of sports fan taking it too far over the years. It's so crazy that two different movie theaters... Two different movie production companies mm -hmm. made movies about overzealous fans in the same year. The Fan with Robert De Niro and Wesley Snipes. Very familiar. And then Celtic Pride with Damon Williams and John Aykroyd and the guy from uh, Home Alone. Those were made in the same year. Daniel Stern. They're both at Daniel Stern. Thank you very much. They're both about fans kidnapping athletes. Those two movies were made in the same year. Are you talking about misery? You think it's not a problem? Yes, their own personal misery. 
Well, also the movie Misery with Kathy Bates. and Well, he was a writer, wasn't he? Well, he still is a fan. That's all I'm but, saying. No, yeah. Well, Just wait is... until in-game wagering can be done at ballparks and stadiums. Oh, my gosh, Michael. You are correct. Oh, man. That one hurt. I didn't even think about that. That's why they don't go public. They got to be walking around like Roy Jones Jr. and his his five bodyguards. Like you just know, like no. Even at you know I broadcast for New Mexico Highlands. At the end of a D two women's basketball game, those officials they hush right right off the court, super fast. There's a key to their to their locker room that they have. No one else, no school official. Maybe the janitor, maybe, but. This fan, fanatics get crazy. Yeah. Well, it's all part of being irrational and illogical fans. Well, okay. Well, there's a point. There's a point. I am a fanatic for two out of my three teams. I'm a passive fan for one of them. But you know me. I'm a hardcore Astros fan. I was born and raised, watched them my whole life, watched them as a kid. Baseball cards, jerseys, gloves naming of my pet, the whole thing. It's deeply ingrained into me, that culture, that life. I'm not going to beat my wife after a L. Yeah, yell at the dog. Not going to kick the dog. Not going to commit violence against a stranger. And it's a different thing. You know, like Hulk Hogan goes heel 25 years ago or whatever, bashing the beach, beats up Macho Man Randy Savage and Sting, and you're like, this is a story. This makes sense. It's good entertainment. I'm into it. But literally, fans throw like garbage at him. And I mean, it's like, guys, lose it. Like, for, did you forget this is entertainment? Dallas Cowboy fan? Ugh, world of frustration. Novak Djokovic, when we get back. Two men on 95.9 FM, AM 610. The Sports Animal. Boys help boys. And you help us by giving us a five star review wherever you check out the podcast. Five-star ratings and reviews, Apple, iTunes, wherever you download this show. Hey there, friends of the show. We need your reviews. And once we get a 100 of them, we're going to do a special one-off show where we read your reviews back to you. Positive, negative, constructive criticism, trolling, bring it. Back on the program. All right, we're talking football. We were talking fanatics. We're talking isotopes. We had a pretty good program thus far, halfway through it. We didn't get a chance to yesterday touch on the Novak Djokovic stuff because condensed show, we had to talk football, all that. Sure. I want to head on it real quick. We got we got too much. We don't have enough time to talk about everything that's going on today. That's a good point. There are some crazy stories today that we can Super can't... weird things. Congratulations to our friend Jeff Sembieta on today winning New Mexico Sports Broadcaster of the Year, I believe for the fourth time. Is that correct? Four times? I know Michael's on the phone. He doesn't keep his trophies in here. No. He's the, he's the most talented guy in the whole city. I'm surprised. Color me surprised if it's only four. Yeah. He probably has a bunch of TV ones from his previous walk of life. Yeah. He, I did a, uh, hey, Michael, do you know, is it Jeff's fourth New Mexico broadcaster of the year? Is that what it is? Fourth? Is it four in a row? No, for best show, I think it's three in a okay, row. Okay, so, so then it's it's either it's his third fourth. or his fourth. I think it's his fourth. Gosh. Yeah, he does just, a great job. He's insanely talented. I was doing um, Steve Davis's show this morning, so 
sat in on Steve Davis's show over on Provia Networks. I don't know how familiar you guys are with his show, but Steve has done our program before. So I was sitting in. We were, if you're not familiar with Steve Davis and Proview Networks and everything he's done oh, they do so great. in New Mexico sports, get out your Googles. Yeah, they just do excellent. And so I was do sitting college in, here in New Mexico, don't they? Uh, mm. Yeah, they do everything. They did. I mean, seen. They do Little League World Series. They do all kinds of stuff. So, anyways, I was doing the show this morning, and and Steve had asked me something along the lines of like, um, "Hey, talk to me about the sports animal. Talk to me about the show or whatever." And and I'm going on. I'm like, "Hey, the show's great." I was like, "But the culture of two men on is built because of the opening drive with Jeff Simbiad and JJ Buck, because sure. they're they're the measuring stick by like which all others should be judged. Their sports acumen, their community involvement, their knowledge." Um, they're just so top tier. And if you're a, if you're a friend of our show and you tune in regular in the afternoon, I'm telling you, if you're in the car in the morning and you don't already, find the opening drive every morning because like those guys give you the analysis that we don't necessarily give you, and they do it in a way that's engaging and entertaining. And they're a special world of talent. This this station is as fortunate as it's ever been right now. I couldn't agree anymore. You know, before I started doing this, I was an actual fan. Sure. Yeah, and I still am. Like when we're at the gym in the morning? Every every morning at the YMCA. I got Jeff Simbietta and J.J. Buck in one ear, and I unfortunately have you in my other. Yeah, talking to you about <laughs> what we're hearing on the opening drive. Correct. <laughs> they had the other day, they had the National Championship Trophy on. And you're like, what does that mean, Fred? Trophies don't talk. Well, the handler for it. Sure. I'm like, this is this is the coolest interview. Reached out to the... New AAA Yankees uh, skipper. Did I tell you about this? Yeah. All right. So I sent an email to Rachel Balkovic, and I was like, uh, "Hey, congratulations to your success. You know, you got you know you got a lot of cool stuff going on. Just really proud of you. Really excited. The city's excited for you." Here's the email I got back today. You ready? Thank you for the email and support. As you can imagine, I'm in you. I'm inundated with requests at the moment. Inundated. I, my plate is as full as I'd like it to be going into this new role. I'm not able to fulfill this request at this time, but thanks again for thinking of me. Aw. Jeff will go, Jeff's going to get her Yep, on. that's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> He'll find a way. Hey, and by the way, the time it took you to write that email could have been on the show. <laughs> should have, yeah, I should have said something beforehand. Yeah. I reached out to APS today, and I reached out to uh, the New Mexico Athletic Association because today high school sports, APS, so not private, not parochial, not Rio Rancho, not a whole bunch of people. Right. But APS today said no fans in the stands for two weeks starting tomorrow. I said, okay, well, let me get, you know, let me get some of the guys on. Let's have a talk about this. Let's talk about the logic behind it. Let's talk about the reasoning. Both of them returned me emails that said, not currently interested in this time. At community. We we made our statement. That's enough. So is as this whole segment's going to be interviews that we didn't get today? I'm just saying. <laughs> well, at least it's before March Madness, because that's when the high schools really get into the sports scene. We will be live from the pit for the state tournament, which I haven't announced yet to anyone, letting you know, Van. Um, so... The sectionals are done at the high schools this year. Hey, you you got to update our Google Calendar. I know. Vital, we have a shared Google Calendar. We put all of our appointments in together. Isn't that adorable? I'm like this. I'm like I'm the worst, Vital. So the sectionals are at 
the hosting schools this year for the first two rounds. And then they're only going to do the final two rounds at the pit. So that will be, I think it's March 8th. Let me confirm that if that's not correct. I'll pull it up right here. But that'll be the tournament, but it'll only be two or three days as opposed to the normal week-long jam. So it looks like it's the 10th. So the 10th. So anyways, that should be kind of a cool thing. We'll be live from that. Talking sports. Well, in sports adjacent content. Talking sports adjacent. Novak Djokovic. on your radio. Novak Djokovic was ruled unanimously by all three judges overseeing his case for the opportunity for him to play in the Australia Open. And they all said, nope, got to go. Also, Van, it comes with a four-year ban to the country and continent of Australia. I, I read three. Is it officially four now? I think it's three after this one, so I think I was counting this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. so this year and three years? Yes. I read it was the three-year ban, and it's not official yet. So but like likely means he misses this one, then the next three. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that is correct. Oh, poor bastard. Well, you know, that's he, what you get. He earned it. You make your bed, you sleep in it. You reap what you sow. He also, hey, I've seen a lot of movies. I've read a lot of books about people lying to the government. Guess what? Historically, you get away with it a lot. If you're super rich. Now, Google exists. (laughs) You can't just go around lying to the government all the time. You can't even go around the county clerk anymore. (laughs) Have you tried this recently? Oh, my God. You have a frame of reference? Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean I need a building permit? I didn't build anything. And they're like, sir, your Instagram account obviously shows. There is a wooden fence here where there wasn't previously. No, the previous homeowner put that in. I bought it like this, sir. The wind blew it down. My yeah. neighbor built it. You're you're impeding on your on your easement. <laughs> like ah, I will pay the fifty. No, sir, you can't just pay the fifty dollars now. You have to rip the whole thing down. That's how this works. Novak. And then you out of the country for your fence. Yeah. And by the way, you don't know this, Novak, but we have friends in France and you can't go there anymore either. And by the way, Novak. How about the U.S. Open coming up in Flushing Meadows, New York? Will he be able to do that? I doubt it. What what are we, like four months out from that? That four months is not a long time in the U.S. Open. You know who's sitting on the edge of their seat to see if Novak gets to play in the U.S. Open? Another guy who lives in New York, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And he'll just point, but he gets to play. There's no way New York lets him play. Australia kicked him out. France isn't even going to let him in in the first place. Well, and the thing on the appeal that Djokovic was trying to do, because he wanted to get started in the tournament, because he felt, which started on Monday, which started really on Sunday, because Australia is Monday before after it's Sunday here. It's a whole thing time. I don't really understand it. So Novak wanted to get started. But the appeals court, which had the three judges, they didn't even hear the appeal. They dismissed the appeal. They weren't even like, hey, we're going to look at it and cool. They were like, we're not even going to look at it. You just got to go. That, to me, is the ice cold move. It took too long, though. I should have took like two days. Oh, because you're in a what about? You're in a right now culture, my friend. Yeah, I know. Yeah, give it to me right now. Yeah. I was like, why did it take this long? Just say no. Here's the rules. Read the rules. 
It's fine. Extra, extra, get your paper here. Breaking news, man faces consequences for own action. <laughs> so you need it? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's 100% real, though. He's done for. He's one, I think he's one away. He's yeah. like right there. And then now that he's not playing... Federer is just going to keep padding his yeah. stats because he didn't have to play Djokovic anymore. Oh, that's a fact. Didn't yeah. even, that didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. He's going to be the GOAT times one and a half because Novak never gets to play again. And here comes Federer with no competition. He's got like 60 majors. If you, if you before all this started, would be like, hey, you know, it really sucks that Novak Djokovic can't play tennis anymore, you know, because, you know, COVID-19 pandemic. I'd be like, oh, my God, what terrible thing happened to him? You're like, no, 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 he just reasons. No, 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 he just shrugged his shoulders and threw up his hands like, <laughs> that's all he did. It's like, oh, that's not a tragedy. Two men on 95.9 FM AM 610, the sports animal. All right, we only got a couple minutes here. And I got a, I mean, it's a story. This is a full-on story one, but I just don't know if there's like, 15 full minutes of content on it. So the official advice from the United States of America to its Olympians going to China during February, Michael, I don't know if you knew that the winter Olympics are in February. So that's right around the corner is leave your phone at home. Do not chance taking your phone. If you take your phone, it is technology and technology can be hacked and then China will hack you. There you go. Yeah. My favorite stories always revolve around the same premises from The Wire. And it's like, don't use your real phone, get a burner. And like, sweet. All right. Another story about The Wire. Wait, what? This is the Olympics? It's the Olympics. Oh, it's the Olympics. It's not season three of The Wire? How do you break down this story aside from saying, yeah, that's good advice? <laughs> like, Yeah. Like, don't buy a, a Huawei. No. Huawei. Huawei. Because they're going to track you. And don't bring your phone into China because they will track you. Get a burner. Get a burner. And condoms. They give you those. That's part of the thing. Yeah. They should give you a burner, too. And I think it doesn't matter what field you're in. Like, if you're going to China, just get a burner phone. Get a burner. Get a SIM card. It's not that serious. Get a throwaway. Yeah, get Kick or whatever. Like, get WhatsApp. What's Kick? I think it's similar to WhatsApp. Okay. These in Jamaica. I use WhatsApp when I'm on vacation. It's not like it used to be, though. You can be, like, anywhere. Jamaica's in the Olympics, you said? Yeah. Feel the rhythm. What's that mean? Feel the rhyme. Come on, y'all. It's bobsled time. You didn't know that the Jamaica's bobsled team is back in the Olympics? That no, blows my mind. Did not know that. That's like number one in the news today, everywhere. Qualified in three Olympic bobsled events, including four-man, two-man, and women's monobob. What? Yeah. Look up monobob on Urban Dictionary. See what I will not do that. Well, I'll look it up, but I won't read it out loud. I uh, have not announced. Are you not concerned about my name on the live stream? No. Venka Coffee? No, As no. in Senka Coffee? What is Senka Coffee? That's uh, Dougie Doug's character from Cool Runnings. You don't remember Senka? I literally have no 
reference or recollection of this movie at all. I guess Cool Runnings did not have the same impact on your life as it did mine. No, why I'm are big, you? I'm a big John Candy guy. Are you a big John Candy guy? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you're indifferent to John Candy. What was he in? Vital, you like John Candy, don't you? Yes, trains, planes, automobiles. Planes, that, trains, automobiles. Is that a new one? Uncle Buck. Come on, get out of here. I've never heard of these movies you guys just mentioned. Okay, uh, so you need to sit down <laughs> with your least favorite family members and watch Uncle Buck together. What is that? It's a heartwarming redemption story from a loser uncle. All right, so I just looked up real quick. The only John Candy movie I have ever seen is Spaceballs. And I've seen National Lampoon's Vacation, and I believe he had a very small part in that. A tiny part in that. He's great in Spaceballs. All right, now I've seen Blues Brothers, but I don't remember him being in that. Oh, my God, what was he in that? I believe he was a police officer. And I've seen Stripes. But I wouldn't say that's a John Candy feature. No. So there you go. Just not. A, I guess I'm not a John Candy seen guy. Nothing but trouble. You haven't seen nothing but trouble. Never even heard of it. Okay, that's a really good one. Chevy Chase, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, a young Tupac. What? Yeah. Tupac used to be a backup dancer for this hip hop group called Digital Underground, and he eventually got a, able uh, was able to rap with them parlayed that into a record deal then became the person he was for a small amount of time tupac was a backup dancer tupac went to juilliard that's correct gangster gangster ass tupac went to juilliard john candy played an orange whip in the blues brothers so there you go okay he was like a he was like a seedy like puppeteering of the Illinois State Police. Nice. Guy. Okay. So there you go. Like Boss Hog? Very similar look. Okay. Yeah. I'm familiar with Boss Hog. Now, Aretha Franklin was in Blues Brothers, and she's a million times better than this tu- tu- Tupac. Sh- I can't even pronounce his name. Tupac Shaker. Okay. He's, he's Well, she's way better than him. So there you go. Don't take your phone. What are you going to do with all your downtime? You don't have your phone. At the Olympics. We got a burner phone. Does it does it have like 5G? Or the I'm assuming all this technology comes from China and we just steal it. They probably got 6G. Michael, you're on some weird message boards. Does 6G exist yet? Not yet. Okay. Maybe in Asia. Yeah. It's okay, so it does. I mean it's gotta be. Anytime Michael says maybe in Asia, that means it is in Asia. Yeah. He just can't. No. Yeah. He's the one. He's the one who told me about different McDonald's menus, and I didn't believe that was real until he explained it to me. He's very concerned about statutes of limitations in different places. Like around the world? Like Asia. When's the last time you were in Asia, Michael? Can't um, say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> planes, trains, automobiles. Ah, that- Dave and Busters presents Two Men On Live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. Play on Team I-9. Start our days at the YMCA, spend our evenings at O'Neill's, and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Back on the program, 6 o'clock hour. If you're wrapping up the workday, welcome to the car, welcome to us. Been a good day of sports talk and sports talk adjacent content. Enjoyed a lot. 
catching up with all the friends of the show. Enjoyed a lot catching up with Isotopes manager Warren Schaefer. All right. I think I got a good fun fact for you, Vitaly. You ready? Go for it. Tom Brady is older than every remaining opposing NFC head coach. Wait a minute. He's older than the opposing all, coaching staff? All of the head coaches for other teams. Right. Not Bruce Arians. Tom Brady is older than McVay. LaFleur. Tom Brady is older than LaFleur. And Tom Brady is older than Shanahan. Tom Brady is older than every opposing every opposing head coach in the NFC. That's kind of wild. Yeah, that is. Of course you drop that knowledge when I walk away. Like That was my <laughs> favorite fun fact of the day. I was so excited to sprinkle it in, and here you go, just Use railroading it my career. before you get in. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. McVeigh is so two- He's like a coach on the field. Yes. He's 44. You remember 10 years ago, he's like, I'm going to play till I'm 45. I'm looking at him right now. He will play till he's 50. He looks younger yeah. now than he did when he was 24. It is weird. He's thrown, like, he's thrown touchdown passes to guys who currently coach in the league. I think Mike Vrabel caught, like, Eight or ten tutties from him. Yeah. I really don't know how many, but it's something like that. Also, how is McVeigh two years younger than me and has two lifetimes worth of achievements that I've never even come close to? How is Tom Brady two years younger than Andy Reid? Wait, hold on. That's not true. It's not? Andy Reid? Like... The football Wilford Brimley? Oh, not Andy Reid. I'm sorry. Who are you thinking of? Not Andy Reid. Um, oh, help me out here. I can't. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, let me come back to it. Okay. Because Tom Brady's 61 in football years. That's not a real thing. Not Andy Reid. How's Bruce Arians? Got to be up there. Yeah, he looks like he's up there. In his 70s? 69. Nice. Uh, Tom Brady's final college game was on New Year's Day in the year 2000. That's so crazy. Isn't that weird? I graduated high school. How do you feel about we're just jumping around the NFL a little bit? How do you feel about, let's use like Cincinnati. Cincinnati getting as excited about anything ever as a fan base. Because this one to me seems like deserved. This doesn't seem like an entitled one, you know? Yeah. 1990, the last time they won a playoff game. 91, right? 1990 season. 1991 was the year. And obviously if you're a Cincinnati fan, you want your cake and you want to be able to eat it too. But this is enough for Joe Burrow right now. Like if they were to lose – this week, no big deal. Like if the Titans take it to them, they still did more than they've done 
in 32 years. Well, I didn't think they would win the AFC North, and look what the Bengals have done. So they're they're ahead of the schedule, I guess you could say. I love Tom Brady is like so hungry. He wants to be the goat of everything. He wants to hold every NFL record. He won't even let George Blanda be the oldest to ever play. He's like, I'm coming for you, George. He does seem like he breaks a record every game, every drop back. Like, there's always something. What does he do now? Oh, oh, cool. I didn't know that was a stat. Congratulations, Tom. (laughs) Hey, way to go, Tom. That's the way, guy. Saw Josh Allen threw a touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders, who had, like, never caught a playoff touchdown. That's kind of a crazy stat. He played on the Steelers teams? Yeah, the Steelers teams, Broncos. Playoff Broncos teams? Never caught a playoff touchdown. Huh. With all those Steeler teams, that is weird. You remember when he first came up? And he was like in his early 20s. And he would talk about receivers that had been there for like five, six years. He's like, that guy's ancient. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You've been there for like, he's been in the league like 15 years now. It's something crazy. And he's quietly had like a whole career. If he, he had, has, like, Tom Brady longevity, that's a Hall of Fame career. He had 49 catches and 570 yards in the playoffs. Zero tutties. That's weird. Is 49 it? catches? It's usually, like, what, like 17 and a half catches you get a touchdown? Some some number like that? 318 catches or something. Yeah. That, that's kind of odd. How long has he really been in the league? Somebody look it up. It's, I think it's 100 years. It's 150 years he's been like he's been like longer than the league's existed. He invented football. Him and Jim Thorpe. Yeah, yeah he used to sew leather helmets when he was a boy. He, you don't know this about him. He actually is the godfather of Al Davis, and that's I mean that's a complex one, but that's the thing about Emmanuel Sanders. Well, the godfather of the godfather of Al Davis. Yeah. He like this one's also going to sound weird. He calls Frank Gore young blood, and Frank Gore calls him uncle, and that's like a weird dynamic. Oh, <laughs> we interviewed him one time. He's like, "Hey, you remember when Jack Tatum got suspended?" Yeah, and I was like, "Well, of course I don't." You remember whenever he started when he was coaching Pee Wee football, and he was coaching against like his like his son played, and they were playing against like John Madden, mm-hmm. who was playing. Yeah, yeah, because that's how old Emmanuel Sanders is. John Madden learned everything from him. Every single little thing he knows. <laughs> Get the Man of the Year award, the Walter Payton Man of the Year award, for inventing football. Just that's why they were like, you can just have it, you're fine. Before air punts existed, they used to like get the pigskin and like put a duck's bill up against it. You got to like just pump the duck. That's how they used to air up footballs back in Emmanuel Sanders' day. It's a very good one. Thank you. He actually knows the Gettysburg Address by heart. Oh, he was, come on now. <laughs> no, no, he was there to hear it in person. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing that... It's a monumental day. It was a big deal. He still wears a sundial watch to know when kickoff is. He chooses to wear a face mask because he's grandfathered in to, to wearing the leather helmet. He doesn't want to stick out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's used to doing it one way, but... It's good that he evolves with the times. In 15 years, this is the Hunter Winfro segment. Nice. <laughs> that is, it's crazy how long he's been in the game, though. Yeah, so good for him. 
caught a titty, caught, caught a titty right there. Odell Beckham Jr. got his first as well. Oh, did he? Yeah. That's more because uh, he's been on the Browns for so long. But uh, That is a tough one. Being reported that Bill Belichick, after his press conference, after the loss to Buffalo, went in the Buffalo Bills locker room and gave him like a pep talk. There's no punchline there. That really happened. Really? Yeah. Stood, like staying there for the longest time. Huh. It was like, you boys got this. No, or what happened was he saw a sign on the door that said Bills, and he was like, oh, that's got to be me. Oh, that's my people. Yeah, I'm Bill Belichick. That's I'm in this club. Oh. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes way more sense. Oh, He's man. like, you guys are my player, right? Same colors and everything. I'm not I, talking about black and white. I mean red, white, and blue. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. jerseys. Yeah, yeah, not the melanin. He actually probably went, probably tampering if you're the NFL because like you know he's looking for a cornerback. He's looking for an outside blitz. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey AJ Espinosa. I don't know if you're a free agent after the year, but like we could totally use your talents. AJ Espinosa. Yeah, isn't that the guy who solves who hosts unsolved mysteries now? That's A.J. Benza. Yeah, A.J. Benza. My bad. I have a different person. A.J. Espinosa plays defensive end. He's backup. Mm-hmm. Linebacker defensive end for the Bills. Went to Edwardsville High School in Edwardsville, Illinois. I'm just saying. I just think it's kind of a nice little thing that he did that. It's very un-Bill Belichickian. Is it? Or is it just what? Because to me, he seems like the guy who presents a certain way by calculation. Hmm. He wants to be perceived the way he's perceived. You know, I never thought of it that way because he never perceived it that way to me. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Rumor on the street is Jimmy Garoppolo is actually super banged up. Strong possibility he will not play against Green Bay. Well, I mean, that's very fortunate. Oh, that, that turn this afternoon, about three hours ago, Shannon said he will play. I'm sure he did say that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Of course he'll say that. Get ready, Trey. His throwing shoulder is banged up. This is the one, though. The Niners have a better chance of beating the Packers with Trey Lance. Just going to say run the ball against Green Bay. You'll win. Trey Lance can run the ball by himself. From the text, or Belichick was poaching players. I'm literally not surprised. Sure. Yeah. If Trey Lance plays, it will be the start to the greatest story ever told. Uh, a Kaepernickian rise? Yep. Is that what you predict? That's what I'm saying. Kaepernick beat the Packers. Kaepernick beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the playoffs by running the ball down their throat. Packers fan is like, what are you doing starting a young, dynamic, athletic quarterback against us? How dare you? Yeah. How dare you reignite my PTSD? Of not just Colin Kaepernick, but also Michael Vick in the playoffs. Because that's what it would feel like, right? Yes, Michael Vick was the first person to win a game on the road at Lambeau in the playoffs. And broke Lambeau. Lambeau still has not recovered from it. Well, they're doing fine. Green Bay can be beaten Lambeau now. Before, they literally could not. Because they hadn't. If they had, they couldn't, but they did, but so they didn't. And Mike McCarthy is their coach. Why are you guys trying to give me all this PTSD right now? I'm just saying. We're having a really good show up until this moment. Trey Lance... Is going to go in. You ever see that movie 300? Um, yeah, yes. With the, with the, yeah, the, the Spartans. The Spartans? Sure, sure, sure. That's Trey Lance. They're going to be like, go in there with your footballer, come out on it, and he's going to just win. He's going to defeat 
the hated Green Bay Packers. One man versus an entire army. Who hates the Green Bay Packers? The world. The whole world. Really? I thought that was the Cowboys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you can't play against, uh, excuse me, I'm made of glass, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Trey Lance is going to go in there. I don't see a way that the Niners beat the Packers. I just don't. Every bit of analysis that I can possibly do in my almost professional prognosticator head, Mm -hmm. every route shows the Green Bay Packers winning. The Packers versus Buccaneers and Rams, though, I could be convinced. Except this will be Trey Lance's first postseason start, and Colin Kaepernick's first postseason start was against the Packers where he won 45-31, where Kaepernick rushed for 181 yards and two touchdowns alongside 263 yards in the air and two passion touchdowns. Yeah, I know. I watched every second of it. (laughs) That hurt worse than anything. Yeah, no kidding. Debo Samuel has to, like, go 200 yards receiving and 100 yards rushing with, like, five touchdowns. That's the only path in my head that I see. How do you scout him when he's only started two games and a half? You can do nothing. Green Bay's done for. That's a thing that you would say, yes. (laughs) (laughs) More NFL roundtable when we get back. Two men on, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Once again, I am asking for your five-star reviews. Five-star ratings and reviews. Apple, iTunes, wherever you download your podcast. Hey, friends of the show, we're looking for reviews. Leave us what you like. Leave us what you hate. Heck, leave your favorite song lyrics. Whenever we get 100 of them, we will do the show in review, where we break down every review of the show and we give your opinion. We've been doing the football roundtable, and during the break, I was like, hey, I got a good one here. Uh, Andrew Siciliano's tweeted that Mike Tomlin, you know, makes it clear he wants a mobile quarterback. Quote, man, quarterback mobility is valued. Mike Tomlin, who coaches the Pittsburgh Steelers. Although I don't think Ben Roethlisberger has, like, formally said he's done, right? There hasn't been, like, a press conference or anything of that nature. But it's, like, understood. Yes. He's a free agent. Yes. This is just it. He's already done, you know, the adios tour his last couple games. That's what it felt like, yeah. Yeah. People who are leaving don't allow themselves to have that kind of treatment. They're like, hey, okay, no, I will stand out in the middle of the field while the whole stadium claps for me. There's only one person that I know that would do that, and that's Brett Favre. Besides Brett Favre, I don't think anybody else would do that. Yeah, that's a good point. And it... 40? He's 40, right? 39 and almost 40? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of it for him. Now, is it so far-fetched to me that you give him a year off and he just hits the gym and gets in the best shape he's been since he was very young and his body heals and he takes that call in one year from now? That's not that far-fetched to me. As people said about Phillip Rivers last year, which still isn't far-fetched. I would not be surprised to see Phillip Rivers play football next year. I would take... Philip Rivers or Big Ben, a healthy Philip Rivers or a healthy Big Ben, over, I don't know, five, six, seven quarterbacks right now. You are correct. And Mike Tomlin's saying that he wants a mobile quarterback, that's the future. Like, Tom Brady's the last one. Even Mac Jones can get out and run, even though it looks like he's going in slow motion sometimes. 
he can get out and run as well. Like the last from the pocket guy. The last pure pocket passer. I think Jake Allen has a lot of that in him. Oh, God, no. No, but he Jake runs. Allen is legit fast. If no, there, he's an athlete. Well, I know that. But yeah. I'm saying if his offense was designed for him to only stand there, I think he would do well. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Herbert runs a lot. He might be the best athlete on that team. I think Tom Brady's the last one. Now that Rivers is gone, now that Big Ben's gone. And the guys who have tried, like the kid out of Missouri that went to Denver, Luck. Yeah. Not Luck, Lock. Lock. Like, those guys haven't been able to do it. Mm-mm. That's not a wrong take. Because right now, the other one is, and he moves even a little bit, is Tannenhill. Tannenhill can get out and run. He gets out and runs a little yeah, bit, he too. Can run. He's, like, in the middle. The one that runs a little bit but who is not going to run anymore is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he'll play again. Somebody will give him a chance. Yeah, and it might be the Steelers. I don't hate that. I don't either. Because the guys you're looking at, because with what Mike Tomlin's describing, I want a mobile quarterback who can go. You can't draft anyone. The draft is garbage this year. They got a couple options. Not in the not in a round that's worth spending one on. Early, I mean. No, yeah. You don't trade up for one. No. For sure. If the kid from Liberty, I can't even remember his name, the kid from Liberty, whatever his name is, if he drops, I think that would be a good one. I don't think you're wrong. But what I'm saying, Malik Willis, very good. If Malik Willis drops, I think that's a good gamble because Steelers are good. He he's not to me a guy who I would be if I'm Mike Tomlin and I got a team that was just in the playoffs and I just need a quarterback. Give me like free agent quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater could come in and play right away. Man, I don't think so. No, no, I don't. I mean, he can come in and play right away, but he's not going to get you any better than. A statuesque Big Ben. What about um, like a Jacoby Brissett? See, that's too too average, too subpar. I mean, Jacoby Brissett and Teddy Bridgewater—that's the same quarterback. To it me. does seem like the same quarterback. So then you got to start getting like very creative. Do you want a guy like Marcus Mariota because he's a free agent after the season? He can run. He can run. He can do some things. Just hasn't had an he opportunity to really stay play. Healthy though, yeah. that's the thing on him. Because then you get into weird territory where it's like Andy Dalton's and Cam Newton's and Colt McCoy's. You don't want any of them. It's it's unfortunate for Mariota because the Titans weren't the Titans they are now when he was their quarterback. Like, they were not good when yeah. he was there. Their failure was not on completely on his shoulders. If you put Mariota on the Titans now, I bet he sees success. You put Mariota in the Steelers, I bet he sees success. I'm not talking Super Bowl run. But I'm talking the same as this year. He's the type of guy with a good squad around him. We'll get you into the playoffs. So if you're a Mike Tomlin or a Pittsburgh Steeler or a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, you want a guy that you know is going to put you in the mix because that helps how your team plays. So do you chance a guy who's got some mobility and some talent in like Jameis Winston? Because he's a free agent after the season as well. Oh, that's right. There's a couple of guys that aren't Mitchell Trubisky. There's a couple of guys – I think Trubisky is one of the best out there Might be. for that group. Might be. Didn't get to play a ton, obviously. Right. And he had a good arm. He's got a strong arm, just his decisions downfield and the coaching staff that he was, uh, you know. Could, and it could be a chain, chain of scenery kind of thing. Sure. Could be. Yeah, I bet he's. I bet he, he gets another shot at, you know, his, his career. Worked for Tannenhill. They put him on a good team. He turned into a way better quarterback. 
I mean, surprise, surprise, these elite-level athletes who've been playing at a high level their whole lives, if you surround them with better teams and coaches, they play better. <gasps> can't believe what it. Oh, my man. God, what? <laughs> Dude, David Carr could have been the best quarterback in the history of football, and we'll never know because he got the crap beat out of him yeah. for three years on an expansion team. Right. Well, and then you have if that- Carr, if Carr goes to the Patriots immediately, to the Packers immediately, to the Steelers immediately, he's got a different career arc. It's the same thing with a lot of these guys who don't get a good shot in a good situation. I don't know how excited I could be if I'm Pittsburgh Steelers fan and Pittsburgh is like, uh, "Hey, we're going to draft a guy. Hi, we like so and so. You know, give me the kid out of Nevada." Uh, by the way, we brought in Mike White, former New York Jets quarterback, who, you know, in two spots, four spot starts, the DDF four starts, mm. you know, threw for almost 1,000 yards. And, you know, he's in his mid-20s, and you're like, we're just not going to win a Super Bowl. No. Like, can't do that. No. Not, not if you're Steelers. If you're the – no, the Steelers need to, to swing big. The Steelers, Steelers, Broncos, teams that are around 500, good organizations that have a good roster – have to swing for the fence. Not a lot of good quarterbacks coming out in this year's draft, and the Steelers only have six picks this year, so that's slim pickings at best. Well, yeah, you got to swing for the fences, though. You got to go after Aaron Rodgers. You got to go after Russell Wilson. You have to, yeah, you have to, you get have to try the hardest you possibly can. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Gardner Minshew. Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah, you had to slide that in there. Also, Trey Lance shows up and. Beats up the Green Bay Packers and does that thing he's the future. You trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, stop. What? I'm just saying. These are those are the real possibilities. I mean, that's that's what the Niners are going to do. If you think Garoppolo's your guy, he's going to be available. You're not going to sit on Lance for five years like the Packers did Rodgers. I'll tell you what I do. If I'm the New York Giants, I trade him Daniel Jones. He got two years left. Like, hey, you got this guy for a little bit. He didn't do anything here, he, but we got to get something out of return for him. The Giants are in shambles, but Daniel Jones, he's not a next-level guy. No, 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 but you've got to get value out of him because you're not going to retain him. You're just going to end up – in two years, you're going to lose him. Yeah. And then he's just gone. He's, gonna he's go not out. the answer. No, 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 no. The Giants will be a team going after Russell Wilson. Steelers will go after Russell Wilson. Broncos will go after Russell Wilson. I mean, there's a guy out there that can be moved. Maybe it's we were just talking about Cooper Rush. You know, maybe there's a guy out there you can bring in for like a stopgap kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, then, yeah. If you don't want to trade Ryan Fitzpatrick in Washington, the Henneke kid, move him. Sure. Yeah. If you're talking about a stopgap, that's what I am talking about because they're not going to well, get a then, franchise guy. Well, then you were right with your suggestions earlier with Bridgewater or Brissett. I like Brissett. Yeah. Him having more weapons on the Steelers. The Steelers have a good receiving core already. And he doesn't cost you a thing. If you just need a stopgap, he's your guy. Yeah, Steelers can, are good at developing wideouts. You, I, you can get you can get Brissett. You can get Jameis Winston. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the stopgap guy. He's a free agent again. I would love to see him on a good team, man. I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has always been more than a stopgap. He's just never been in the right situation. This... He's past that point, though. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't invest five years in him. No. Yeah. Who's the kid that was there? The kid, Neil O'Donnell. Is that who was there before? Oh my god! Is that right? 
dig, digging in the crates on that one. I want to make sure I got that right because I don't want to have it wrong. Yeah, Neil O'Donnell. That's uh, when Bettis was a rookie, and then Big Ben took over. So that's not who I was trying to come up with, so I apologize. I was trying to come up with Tommy Maddox. Oh, Tommy Maddox. That, to me, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick's better than Tommy Maddox. He's absolutely better than Tommy Maddox, and that's what you need in Pittsburgh. You get Tommy Maddox slash Ryan Fitzpatrick to come in and let a guy like Cordell Stewart grow while you're there. I think what should really happen is the Steelers have to get rid of a couple veterans, get some draft picks, infuse some youth, and not rebuild but retool because you know Mike Tomlin is in good standing. He's never had a losing season. That's a good point. His whole career. It's not like Mike Tomlin can have a couple down years with a bad roster and Steelers Nation is just going to turn on him, right? It's Mike Tomlin. Also, you're saying he's never had a losing season? One of those seasons, he had Mason Rudolph and Devin Hodges taking snaps. Okay, who has a longer leash, Mike Tomlin or Lily Tomlin? Well, as far as like praise and recognition for yeah. that skills, I mean, it's Lily Tomlin. She's, yeah. she's, you think so? Yeah, she's America's sweetheart. I don't she's know. Lily. Okay. <laughs> when we get back from the break, a little bit of, uh, you want to go more football talk? I could do that. Let's go more football talk. Two men on 95.9 FM AM 610. The Sports Animal. Back on the program. We only got 30 minutes left? Are you kidding me? Michael. 25. This is ridiculous to me. So, you know, you guys know how like I often talk about how Michael Parsons is the worst draft pick in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. And you know, he's the reason that they couldn't win a playoff game and all the hype is unnecessary and and linebackers don't change games. You guys are familiar with that narrative that I carry regularly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only, only every time. Okay. <laughs> so 49ers score on this, like, wide rush to the right. Um, what's that cat's name? Debo? So then afterwards, Micah Parsons just decks Ayuk in the head. Just decks him. That to me is like the epitome of Dallas Cowboys. That to me is like you got blocked out by a slot wide receiver and you're upset that your team's full. Oh, that sounds more Raiders to me. I'm just saying. I don't know why. Micah Parsons is the 12th pick in the draft, and he's going to win the defensive rookie of the year. And he's he's the, literally a rookie, and he's literally the number one rated linebacker on Pro Football Focus. That's uh, a steal. Okay, he's also the type of guy who will punch someone in the head who's wearing a helmet, and that clearly explains to me the type of person he is. Oh. Surefire Hall of Famer, well, right? Did, did Dak tell him to do it, or did he just do it on his own? Just, Just ridiculous to me. And because he does it right in front of the official, do you think the official throws a flag? Or do you think because the officials are Team Dallas, although Dallas fan doesn't believe it, he just runs over there and is like, break it up, guys. Mm-hmm. Cowboys fan. Yeah. Not Debo. Not De- What's the running back's name? Mitchell. Not Elijah Debo. Mitchell. Yeah, what am He's I doing? He's a really good player. Yeah. He was a steal. 
That's what I'm talking six, about. Six rounder in the draft. Is yeah. that right? Six rounder. He's really stepped up in the second half of the season. So let me get this straight. You can you can get skill position guys in the sixth round that can win you playoff games, or and hear me out, you can get Michael Parsons in the first round and be a loser and go home. Profootballfocus.com has a story in which sixty percent of the players that are playing in the NFL today went undrafted. Sixty percent. That's pretty good. You know, you know this van, Rasul Douglas. Six interceptions this year, two of them pick six. He wasn't even considered. He was undrafted, and look what Green Bay got. Yeah. He got a heck of a year. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, you have a few blue chips, right? Some no-brainers. Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be good no matter what. Whenever you put a team around him, he's going to be good no matter what. What is it about the scouts when they miss a guy like Rasul Douglas? I mean, obviously the best answer all time is Tom Brady, but what what is it in Tom Brady that Lloyd Carr didn't see? What was it in Tom Brady that the whole NFL didn't he, see? He was Lloyd Carr was best friends with Drew Henson's dad. That was like the big thing. In well, there. Drew Henson was a big name. He's already a professional baseball player by the time he got yeah. to Michigan. He's like the bigger name. Some people can assess talent and scout it just like Belichick and others can. And some people can, like Mike Mayock. He has they, to go. And they still get fired because they pair him with one John Gruden who overrules all of his picks and makes him look like an idiot. Alex Leatherwood? He could Alex Leatherwood, the Raiders' first pick last year, could have went undrafted. Justin like, Jacobs. There was, was a their chance that pick. he could have not been drafted and they spent a first rounder on him. Yeah. Justin Jacobs? I Justin like him. Jacobs I was their I best like their best first round pick in the last couple of Josh years. Josh Jacobs? Yeah, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, running back. Sorry. Yeah. That's not a bad pick. But they, again they missed on everything else in the first round. But again, first rounder. Elijah Mitchell, six rounder. It's not like you're you're not Derrick Henry, you're not you, Christian McCaffrey, you're not Dalvin Cook. There's a huge drop off in between. How about, about AJ Dillon, Van? That's smart. Another but he's one. a second rounder, right? Third rounder. Third rounder? You to me cannot take un you have to only take skill position guys to start the draft. First four rounds. First five rounds. It's just not worth it. First round draft pick Mike Parsons gets sealed off on the perimeter by a hundred and twenty five pound Iuke. Well, you're talking about one play. Yeah, I'm talking about the season. I'm talking you're, about being losers. Anecdotal evidence. I have the all- real evidence is he's the best linebacker in football. And they got him with the 12th pick. Didn't have to trade up or down. The best football players are not trying to be linebackers. He's the best at the position that no one tries at and no one cares to even be a part of. Here we go. Von Miller just shows up in L.A. and racks up six sacks in nine games. Anyone can just show up and play linebacker. It doesn't matter. Well, he's Von Miller. He's very talented. He's an upper echelon talent. He's nothing. They took the Rams took loser Matt Stafford from the loser Detroit Lions and made him a winner because you put skill position guys around him. You know what? The, you know what? Right now, Dallas Cowboys would like to have Matt Stafford and a win. Sure. Instead of Mike Parsons, punch, punch okay. in the head, Parsons. Detroit Lions until they hit on Megatron kept drafting loser after loser wide receiver. Charles Johnson, kept, Mike Williams. Yeah, yeah. Kept whiffing and whiffing and whiffing. You know what they should have done? 
not drafted a wide receiver oh, at all. You're insanely wrong. And getting an offensive lineman to protect him That's, so he could throw to some dude off the street so he can look like genius Tom Brady instead of, well, where would Matt Stafford be without Megatron? Hey, He's good no matter what. This is why you nothing to do with Megatron. He's good. This is why you have relationship issues. Because, like, just because you had all these... <laughs> How much time do we have left in the show? Vital, we're going to talk about my relationship yeah. issues? Just because you, oh, man. you Van <laughs> Nunley slash Detroit Lions, have had a bunch of really bad ex-girlfriends called Mike Williams and Charles Johnson and Charles Rogers or whoever else, that doesn't mean they scorn you from taking the new super pretty hot girlfriend that is Calvin Johnson. You still have to do that. Well, I mean, I'm, I definitely got my Calvin Johnson now, but, but yeah. still... But there were years of Charles Rogers... Screwing you up, and you can't you can't let those past failures dictate your future endeavors. So I should have drafted offensive lineman this whole time. It, no, <laughs> you had to learn your lessons. <laughs> and the Cowboys are learning their lessons because they wasted a first round draft pick on a linebacker that maybe would have went undrafted. Now that that part's not true whatsoever. All right, maybe would have went on the second or third day. Whatever, I don't That's know. Not true whatsoever. The next person that took a linebacker, he was undoubtedly the best linebacker. What was he drafted, number one? He's the first linebacker. I'm just saying. Like four four linebackers in the first round? The thing about the thing when it comes to the NFL draft is do not waste it. You waste it, you set your team back years. And I'm not talking like one or two years. I'm talking like all the years. That's why it's so important to take Zach Wilson – or Trey Lance, or Kyle Pitts, or Jamar Chase. Micah Parson got 13 sacks this year. The whole rest of the defensive players in the first round got 21 sacks. That's so they, so they got – well, here's the thing. There shouldn't be any other defensive players One, two, in the three, first round. Four, five, six, seven people got 21 hey, sacks. I'm not trying to be that guy. Micah Parsons got 13 on his own. I don't, I don't want to be like the I told you so guy, but who's Zaven Collins? Who's Jamin Davis? Like, these guys are not guys that matter. They're linebackers who went in the first round. But here you are talking about Micah Parsons. Losing is what I'm talking about. Him. Micah Parsons got 21 more tackles than anyone else in the first round. Zaven Collins? Only one person. Guess what about his team? Lost in the first round, Arizona Cardinals. That's what I'm saying. First round linebackers do not matter. Jamin Davis for the Washington football team? They did so poorly they were going to change the team name. Does not matter. Do not take linebackers in the first round. Only one person in all seven rounds got more tackles than Micah Parson. No, hey, no one got more sacks. Trey Lance, who went in the first round, second overall. Guess what? His team won. Jamar Chase, his team won. It's because they got a good quarterback. Yeah, they, Trey Lance didn't play. Well, I mean, I'm just throwing that there. Just sure saying. you are. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. You're always going to get more losers out of the draft. Specifically if you waste your picks the way that the the Dallas Cowboys have on Micah Parsons. It's not a hot take. It's an actual take. It's a real – it was a waste. The guys that could have gone, you missed on. Okay, who should the Cowboys drafted Tony. instead of Kadarius Micah Tony, the wide receiver. It's not even close. He was hurt all year. Well, you don't know that in the beginning. They already had three good wide receivers. Okay, Najee Harris. They already had two good running backs. Did they? They had they had a made of glass 
number 21, and we are very surprised Tony Pollard plays this well. Or the kid for Jacksonville, uh, Travis uh, Etienne. There's a bunch of guys you could have took. Etienne, who got hurt before the season even started. Didn't know it at the time. But there are guys that could have, in the first round, contributed. I'm just saying. The only thing you could say about that pick is their needs were in the secondary. Still are, probably. Yeah, they still are. <laughs> Grab a break. When we get back, we'll wrap this thing up. We didn't pick a varsity today, so we'll... Um, oh, my God. Are we going to skip the varsity? Yeah, we'll figure it out. On this the hasn't side. happened in a while. Linebackers. The varsity of linebackers? Deal. Okay. Today's I-9 varsity. The varsity of linebackers only have like four minutes to do it. Dave Busters presents Two Men On live from the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9. Start our days at the YMCA. Spend our evenings at our Neals and our weekends at the Electric Playhouse. It's 95.9 FM, AM 610. The New Year, same show. Overweight? Finances in shambles? All that goes in the wash when you give us a five-star review. Need one more resolution to round out your year? Five-star ratings and reviews. Here's what we're doing, friends of the show. We want 100 reviews. Log into iTunes and review the show and leave any review that you want. And after 100 reviews, we'll do the show and review special. Final segment of the program. Today's I-9 Varsity. Connect with I-9 Sports League Office 280 at i9sports.com, 505-312-4999. Doing youth sports here in the community. It's an introductory league. They teach you the fundamentals. Thank you to friends of the show who took the time. I believe Patrick called, and I thought that was very nice of him. Okay. Okay. This one I'm a little fired up on. Yeah, you are. I'm a little fired up you have quite the hard stance on linebackers i don't like them and here we are doing the varsity of linebackers did i think warren schaefer albuquerque isotope skipper warren schaefer him too he's the best we know a lot about that guy all right here we go today's on end varsity is the varsity of linebackers would you like to go first or would you like me to go first go ahead buddy all right i'm gonna go with zach thomas he was drafted 154th overall in round five Played linebacker for the Dolphins for like 11 years. Was a stud. Also played for the Cowboys because they saw you don't have to necessarily draft one at the time. Give me Zach Thomas, who's on the all-decade team of the 2000s, drafted in the fifth round. Okay. All right. Started 182 out of 184 games. Michael, I don't know if you know that. Made over 1,000 career tackles. Fifth round. Not to be confused with Zach Morris. Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas. I am going to start off with linebacker Mm -hmm. from Eastern State University Timberwolves. Okay. I'm going Alvin Mack. Okay. He was an absolute murderer. Nope. You're going to keep going? Yep. Stud. Did not seem to care much about academics, really. He didn't go to school very often. Didn't even really play in the pros. You're talking about a linebacker from college. Slightly violent. But, uh-huh. uh, he's one of the greats. What can I say? Well, he didn't make it to the league because of a leg injury. Uh, took a pretty horrific leg injury there. Program wasn't able to help him. Well, they didn't play the sequel. 
I think there's a redemption story no. coming. So, Undersized linebacker out of John Carroll, highly productive 16-year NFL career, included four Pro Bowl appearances and a Super Bowl appearance as the starting middle linebacker where he won for the St. Louis Rams, undrafted London Fletcher. London Fletcher didn't have to be drafted because you don't have to draft the linebacker position. Okay. Okay. How about Spencer Stratsmore? (sighs) Had such a successful... NFL career as a linebacker went on to be the GM mm-hmm. of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Did he? That's a heck of a linebacker. Did he end up doing that? And I thought this guy might make it on your list too. No, no Spencer Stratsmore. That's not your guy. You're so dumb. How about Sam Mills? Oh, undrafted Sam Mills? Right. Out of Montclair State, unheralded school. All right. Just have to skip my next one. Because, yes. (laughs) How about Robert Mathis? You know where the Colts drafted him? Didn't. Just kidding. He was in round five, but killed it. Played for years. Might even still be playing. I have no idea. Drafted in 03. Won Super Bowls. Just don't even waste one. Don't even waste one. One of the GOATs. Didn't play for the big giants. Uh huh. Played for the little giants. And I'm talking about the legend. Damn it. Becky Icebox That's O'Shea. Exactly who you're talking about. Crossed ageism lines, crossed sexism lines. Mm hmm. I mean, where would that team be without this linebacker? Little giants are nothing yeah. without Becky Icebox O'Shea. Uh, A mean, real enforcer. The eye black really made the whole thing work. Wasn't considered even an NFL prospect coming out of Kent State because of his lack of size. Hard worker, late bloomer. And in 2004, after time in NFL Europe, by the way, he became the 2008 Defensive Player of the Year with 16 sacks and five Pro Bowls during his career, which totaled 84 and a half sacks. I'm talking about, let me return it in the Super Bowl, 100 yards, James Harrison, undrafted. He's my guy. Yeah. He's my guy. That's a good one. That's what I'm telling you. Linebackers don't waste it. I see your theme. Vital, did you pick up on that one? (sighs) Vital picked up on that one. You think Lawrence Taylor's the GOAT? Yeah, no. No, I don't. I'll tell you who really the GOAT is. (laughs) Came out of nowhere. South Central Louisiana University. Yeah, we know who you're going with. The greatest of all time, Robert Bobby Boucher Jr. (sighs) Bobby Boucher is also a band. I don't know if you guys know that. I did not know that. Yeah. Sweet mama. Water sucks. Gatorade is better. Don't you dare say that. (laughs) Don't you dare say that right to his face. Adalis Thomas, undrafted. Just kidding. He was drafted in the sixth round. Played for the Baltimore Ravens. Won a Super Bowl. There are dudes out there. It does not matter. Honorable mention to the real-life Lawrence Taylor, 
who was the best linebacker of all time and played a linebacker in two different movies. So he makes both of my lists. (laughs) (sighs) Where was he drafted at? Number one overall, all time. Won an Academy Award for best football player. Second player selected overall in the 1981 draft, Lawrence Taylor. Who was who picked in front of him? Boomer Esiason. Who cares? He's the exception to the rule, though. That's why you know it's a rule. Don't draft linebackers in the first round. They get blocked out by slot wide receivers on touchdown runs in the playoffs, and then they have to throw a easy fit. Micah Parsons. Vandy did so very good today. Any final words? Oh, my goodness, my friend. Too much for the time allotted. Good job, everyone. GG. See you tomorrow, Burke. Next up to bat, your five-star review for Two Men On, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, friend of the show, we need 100 reviews. Why 100? I don't know. Just do it. So whatever you listen to our show on, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, leave us a review. It goes a long way to help improve the show. 